Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. It's over 259. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. And journalism's dead. Everything we're talking about in our pre-show chat is correct. Well, if it's not dead, it's well, on life support. The, 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 what, what, what I was taught was journalism is dead because apparently nobody fact-checks anything anymore, checks their sources. Well, I tell you, you know, I, I made a promise to myself, I think I talked about this on the show, that I was going to not follow politics so much, as in, like, hardly at all. Finally <laughs> got to you. It took a while. Post-election. Well, it was, it was time for a bit of a break because... Well, let me get some circus music. No, I was just, no. I was just cue up Peter Brady singing when it's time for change. It's time to change. <laughs> no, I, oh, oh, no one saw that fucking episode of the Brady Bunch. Okay. I mean, I didn't. I've I didn't, seen like a lot of episodes. I don't remember that one. I haven't been completely shut off from the world. I didn't change who I follow on Twitter. So I still kind of get the gist of what's going on. But I'm not. I haven't listened to. Rachel Maddow's podcast post-election, nor uh, nor quite a few others that I listen to that are political in theme. And I, like I said, I, I can't I can't bury my head in the sand forever. I'm not trying to escape it. I'm just trying to find a bit of a balance because I don't know. When you look at the news, most of it's political. Then everything that's not political is either death, destruction, or disaster. And then there's just special entrance, like the water skiing squirrel. About what? The water skiing squirrel. No, no, that's pretty general. But you know, like whatever you know, if you're interested in sports or you know nerd shit or what have you, that's the rest of the news. That bread and butter. It used to be. But no, I hear you. Politics isn't everything. It gets wearying. It gets tiresome. But yeah, probably the the story that I followed the most post election that had anything to do with politics was Jim Acosta getting banned from the White House press corps, which you know is a is a step I'm surprised that Trump didn't take earlier. Well, after they got in their little lover's quarrel a couple of weeks ago, that was probably it, right? Who's lover's quarrel? What? The, 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 the exchange that him and Trump got into about the wall. That was all... That was, oh, about the wall. So yes. You, about the actors. You, those people weren't actors. That whole exchange. I don't know if that was necessarily a turning point. I mean, I don't know. They've been continuously kind of uh, battling it out. Well, let me ask this question because I've I, I initially I I only heard and saw well I saw two videos but we'll get to that eventually but I only heard and saw a video of what seemed to be the incident starting at the point where Trump is like no you're done stop you're done and Acosta keep asking his question asking his question 
and it seemed like a what an intern came over to to get the mic and he's like i'm not done i'm, I'm asking him my question and that was pretty much it now <clears throat> so it's both of them being babies well well what i'm asking is did anybody see what led up to that because when i did a little bit of digging i couldn't find video of it but there's all these uh claims that basically jim acosta basically stood up took the mic from somebody else's hand and started in demanding his questions be answered um, that's his job. You pass, they mic gets passed around. It was not his job you, to yank the mic from somebody. It's his job to wait his turn. Was, he took the mic from someone. That's what you do. The mic gets passed around. There was no like nabbing it out of somebody's hand while they were using it. See, Aaron, you're 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 picking up what I'm laying down. I was like, okay, wait a minute. They're saying he took the mic from somebody. Now, I know that if there's one mic and there's a press cord, they pass the mic. No. And if someone passes me the mic, I can take it from them. But if you if you emphasize the word take a certain way, it's going to sound like, right. I, you know, give me that motherfucking mic. This ain't no after school special, bitch. You know, and it wasn't like, you know, I don't right. know if it was in, like in, that or not. In this type of press conference they were doing, this was uh, this wasn't the normal room. Like it was a. There was kind of a, a half circle around the president, and everyone was was closer in. And there was an intern that was it was her job to go around and hand the mic to people, but also that mic got handed reporter to reporter in many cases because they were nearby enough that they're not going to make the fucking intern run over and run this to that guy over there. So yeah, the mic gets passed around, whether it comes from reporter's hand to, to an intern's hand. It, it had to have been taken, quote-unquote, by Acosta at some point. I saw him asking his question. He didn't get up out of turn and be like, no, my question's getting answered next, right? He was called on. He is frequently called on because he's a he's a well-known reporter for a major news organization. Trump didn't like the question that he asked. He didn't give an answer to it. So like any good reporter does, he asks again. He tries to rephrase it. And also, well, if you're not going to answer that question, maybe there is a question that you're going to ask that you're going to answer. I've got many other questions that I'd like to ask. And Every reporter, if you've watched any of these, they're going to stand up and they're going to keep asking questions until somebody else is called upon. And you see it happen often, especially with Trump, where you know he goes, to, he kind of gives a half answer and then looks at somebody else and goes, "Next, you." And the person with the microphone just keeps going. Whether they do a follow-up question, they ask another question, and you know sometimes they get shut down completely, but many times. It's allowed. They they answer the question and then they move on. There's nothing about Acosta's behavior that was abnormal for any reporter really working in that room. And then the idea that it was assault and it's it's indefensible, right? I mean, nobody looked at that and and understood it as assault. Some people looked at it and understood it as an opportunity. To criticize well forgive me for my ignorance but isn't the point of the white house press corps to hold the administration's feet to the fire and get answers not to be their propaganda wing not to just go what what do you want us to say okay we'll print that okay we'll broadcast that 
Yeah. It's interesting that this this argument is, has been happening a lot uh, lately with Trump and his fake news and the press is out to get me and people trying to defend that behavior with ridiculous statements like, well, there's nothing that protects those freedoms in the Constitution specifically in that way. And a press is really just a machine that they're referring to and blah, blah, blah. Well, look, the people have decided that that is the press's job over the course of the history of this nation, whether it was part of whether you consider it part of our laws or not, it is definitely part of our culture. And it's something that people demand from the press is you need to let us, you need to keep us surprised of what these people in Washington are doing and how they're running our country. And I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I understand that we have, you know, jettisoned decades ago the fairness doctrine. So we don't even, we don't even try to act like there's news organizations that are impartial anymore. So we have news, you know, Fox is the, the Republicans cheering section. MSNBC is the Democrats. CNN is whatever the fuck. Mm. But I mean, ultimately, we had reporters. Didn't we have reporters like going asking tough questions of other presidents without it re- like resulting in you're done, uh, no. sit down, shut up? Actually, no, we've never had that. Barry banned a, a reporter from Fox News. Yeah, I think. I think there's been contention numerous times. I mean, and yeah, Trump's well, not the first guy to do this. That's why I'm not all pro clutchy about it. Like it's time it's out, happened time before. Out, time out. Time out. Okay, you answered my question, but the question I was mm-hmm. asking is: Haven't we had other reporters put other presidents' feet to the fire before? Yeah. And the fact that you just said that Obama banned a reporter from Fox, yes, it answered my question, but. Okay, so this proves that this isn't, yes, the pettiness isn't just all Trump, but that is a reporter's job. It's a reporter's job to get the story and get the facts, not be a mouthpiece for that fucking president. This isn't Access Hollywood. You're not here to promote your fucking newest movie. Right. You know, you want to be an entertainment reporter, go work for TMZ. But I just wonder if, if when you're on the White House press corps, if that's kind of maybe like kind of the unspoken thing is like, yeah, you kind of got to ride the company line on this. You are part of the White House press corps. I mean, I'm not saying it's a fact. I'm just wondering if if they're, they're, you maybe are told, like, hey, uh, it's in the name. You kind of got to make these people look good. You kind of are their mouthpiece. Uh, no. That's the White House has people like Sarah Huckabee Sanders to do that job. That is her job, not anyone in the press's job. I mean, and I'm, there may be, I'm sure there's a certain amount of decorum that's expected. And, you know, it, it would be frowned upon to just shout out, even if you thought it was true, that the president's a liar, right? Well, that's what you say for the State of the Union address. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for Congress right. people. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be elected to have that right. But no, the, this idea that they are some sort of extension and mouthpiece for the White House itself is ridiculous. I mean, why would we even have them then? Why? Why would they even be in a room when we could just take whatever Sarah uh, Sanders says and just print that? Yeah, treat you it know, like this is, this is what the White House says. Treat it like you're at, you're at Specs Howard and you and you you know have to read the news and you pull a story off the AP, do a little rewrite to it, 
and then just go basically read what the fuck came over the, the wire. And the idea of the press conferences is here's a statement from the White House, from the president or whoever, and we read they read the statement and then take questions. Ideally, conceptually at least, that they take questions on that statement. If people have follow-up questions on this, now granted, it's become whatever really the the reporters want to ask you know and of course they should be free to do so because you know it's not like you if you sit around and wait for the the white house to make a statement on something that might be a scandal to them then you're never going to get any information well wasn't the infamous bill clinton Look here, I'm going to say this one more time. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Wasn't that in response to a reporter asking a question? That wasn't part of his deposition. Yeah, right. No, that wasn't that was a reporter asking that. So, uh, that's this is being asked hard questions. If you can't handle it, why did you apply for the job? Man. And I don't give a fuck if it was Obama or fucking Trump who banned uh, 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 somebody from the fucking White House. I mean, unless the unless the dude stands up and goes, "Hey, cocksucker in chief, look here, motherfucker," <laughs> and then proceeds to ask a question. Uh, First I mean, of all, I, look, I get, viral. Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Being a White House, being in the White House press corps is not a fucking you know human right. I understand that, but at the same time, you can't claim to to be running a you know uh, a completely transparent mm-hmm. presidency. And you're and you're and you're throwing people out that you don't agree with the it's, questions they're asking. Yeah, it's not acceptable to say we don't want him here because we don't like the types of questions that he asks. And that's what they're not saying. They're saying they're trying to say everything but that. But you know, there's nothing there. Yeah, but that's planting bushes to beat around. And I think anyone with half a brain sees that. AKA anyone who's not a complete partisan, you know. Sees oh. that, that that anybody who oh, goes the partisans see it, they just don't care. Oh, there's that too. No, they look. The Trump supporters are not fooled. Most of them know what it is that they voted for. They know what it is that they're supporting, and they just don't give a fuck. They like what Trump is doing. They don't. They don't want CNN to exist because they think that everything that CNN produces is lies, and the left doesn't want Fox to exist. Because they think the same thing. Well, outside of the the controversy over the questions and the fact that, you know, okay, you're, you're no longer part of the Whitehead, or Whitehead, White House press corps. Um, the more troubling, the more troubling thing to come out of this to me is the fact that uh, Sanders releases a video that, that had been originally posted by InfoWars that I mean, because Infowars is above reproach and right. never gets anything wrong. Yeah. I've never seen them print a retraction, so that must mean they're right all the time. Sterling journalistic reputation they got over there at Infowars, all the pe- you know that shining up all their Peabodies. Yeah, and to lift it directly, like it's not, it's it's so easy to trace back the the source of the video. Yeah, this isn't right. 1980. We got the internet. You understand that, right? <laughs> right. We didn't have to call some hackers in to find this out. A remedial Google search would tell you. This isn't 30 years ago. Only rich people do not have the internet anymore. Everybody's got it now. But yeah, so they released this video 
And supposedly this video shows Acosta uh, being very rough and uh, aggressive towards a White House intern who tried to... Karate tops her arm when she goes for the mic. (laughs) Yeah, he's all like, Hassan, chop! You know, and all that (laughs) shit. And he's got the kung fu grip on that mic. (laughs) He's like Mentos. Uh, the mint with the kung fu grip but yeah um but no and it, they released the video and then the ap god bless the ap just says white house video released or, or video released by white house that was originally published by infowars versus uh ap video and they started the videos at the same time and it was completely amazing how the infowars video finished before the the one from the ap Mm-hmm. And and ones from other angles, by the way, uh, right? All well, matched up except for the Infowars video, right? Because I mean, how this happened? There was a right after the incident. There's a White House statement about Jim Acosta and how he was abusive and assaulted this uh, poor young intern. And the, Sarah Sanders had a, a a similar statement about it, where she was personally shaming him and saying that she will not stand for the abuse of women. And you're a hero. Yeah. Right. And everyone's response was, we've all seen the video. We have, we all saw what happened. And to think that this is assault is insane to me. Like, so, but wait, her, her response then to that was to then grab the Infowars video and post that as proof that it was assault. Like, that's the scary... Like, I don't care that right? he got kicked out of the... Whatever. As long as the well, White House... Well, but wait. wait let me, let me, as let long as they're the whole thing out. closed, I don't care. But the fact that they think Infowars is a legitimate news source, that's the scary fucking thing of this story to me. Right, but this is how they craft their own truth. So they grab the, white, the Infowars video, they post that as proof that it was assault. Then there's claim that the White House is now putting out doctored videos. Well, no. White House comes back. Sarah Sanders comes back personally and says, this video is not doctored. It is sped up in a way that, you know, it's a, she compared it to, like, uh, what they do in sports. She's like, you know, this is just, you know, we were... Uh, like, Reminds me of that scene in The Naked Gun. Where, like, the factory's on fire and it's exploding and Leslie Nielsen's like, nothing to see here, folks. Hey. So, with the idea that, like, oh, no, you know, I want, in sports, if uh, there's a, a play that, you know, is, uh, I'm not sure how to call it. You slow know, you do the slow-mo. Replay, you do the replay. slow-mo and see, yeah, you know, which way the ball go, where's his foot, where's his hand, where's his other hand, oh, my God. Did, did he complete <laughs> the process of assaulting hey. her? <laughs> Right, <laughs> and which is ridiculous Sports because they don't. That's hilarious, Aaron. They don't. They don't speed it up. They're like, well, if you speed up this video, it looks like I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm out of sports analogies. Not that I had any. <laughs> My sports lingo's dry. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. She's saying like, oh, look, they just do this in sports. It's just like we're just replaying it so we can see what happened. Come on. So that's why the AP eventually had to release the two videos side by side to show just in which way the White House is... Uh, they didn't doctor it themselves again, but they are disseminating doctored video. The person who published that story then shot their resume out immediately but, after, like, this is what it's come to for the love of God. I need a new the, gig. 
They've been silent on the issue since. No, I, there's been no indication of when he's expected to be allowed back in, if at all. So CNN has now sued the White House to get Jim Acosta back into the press corps. Have fun. <sighs> sure it'll be a great use of resources. I'm sure the problem will be solved efficiently and swiftly. You know, I saw, I saw a, a post by uh, BigThink.com earlier this week that <clears throat> some eggheads at some university got together and said, you know, how can we split the country up into two separate countries? And at the time, I was like, oh, come on. Now I'm just like, you know what, maybe it's not that bad of an idea. You know, I just, it just, because eh, I'm going to tell you what, I, we we really are two different countries at this point. It, it all depends on who you root for, is who you, is who you believe, and you believe shit that flies in the face of what the facts are telling you. And it's just, I it, I shake my head and I'm like, I, I you know, see, look, if I see like, them, be creative about it, like. Send someone in who's like the Jim Acosta puppet. Like, all right, you banned Jim Acosta. You didn't ban us. And they're just fed like a Cyrano de Bergerac kind of situation. And Jim Acosta just feeds this person the questions. Yeah, yeah but unfortunately, you know, people want to know what questions Jim Acosta is going to ask. Because see, he's seen, I mean, he's a big name reporter. And having not having your big name reporters with white house access when that's m- the majority of what they talk about is uh that's a major problem for CNN and any other news organization that might find themselves in that situation well, I guess that's a lot of that's a lot of lost eyeballs i guess but again if if it's just him and it's not the organization like put your energy towards some i don't know the the lawsuit seems wait, silly. Wait a minute! You, oh, you, you're criticizing CNN for the lawsuit. Yeah, it seems okay. silly. it seems like your energy could go towards something else. Like 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 then the organization isn't banned. Like you could you still think get in suing for the rights of the press to have access to the president and the White House. Well, they have it. They is a poor Acosta of, poor use of of resources. What's to stop them? Okay, Jim again. Jim Acosta did nothing out of the ordinary for any reporter in that situation so they just send somebody else in to do that same exact job and then that person gets banned what this means is people will continue to get banned until they start asking the right questions i guess but i think it's too i think it's who the president is i think nobody cared when barack obama was banning conservative reporters but now big bad donald trump bans a reporter now it's a problem like it's, I think that's part of it too. Quite honestly, you don't. Yeah, it is part of it. Of course, it is part of it. Because Obama didn't spend most of his time talking about how horrible the press are. They didn't tell people that's a stupid question. That's a stupid question. No, and you're just, a stupid reporter. You and just, I'm quoting the president. I'm just not just banned people shit who up. had beliefs that, that different is a from quote. his. The day after he banned Acosta, he was asked about it on the tarmac, and he said, that's a stupid question. Actually, no. I take it back. He was asked about the Mueller investigation. But he banned people that had beliefs opposite of his. Okay, I don't I, – look, I don't condone either president banning a reporter for asking the question that pissed him off, okay? But I do, I do say – uh, one was reported a fuck of a lot more than the other. So if you want to start pointing fingers, I need we, I think we need to start pointing fingers in the direction of the people who decide what fucking goes on in the air and gets reported first and foremost. Well, because right. no, this is a that's what I'm saying though. This is a bigger story because it falls in line with 
uh, with Trump's behavior and one of the, the biggest issues with him as a president, this wasn't an issue for, for Obama. Obama didn't have it out for half of the press in the press corps and just finally lost it on one guy and kicked him out. So you would be naive to think that this wasn't part of some pattern. And as the worst things go for Donald Trump, which is just a given over time, right? No matter how things go, they're going to continue to get worse for him. It's kind of like his plan. Color me naive. When they're completely closed pref briefings, I'll be worried. When they when they when there cease to be press say it briefings, again, I didn't, I'll be worried. Say it again, I didn't catch it. I said when they are completely closed press briefings, I'll be worried. Like when 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 they when there ceases to be when nobody's allowed in, I'll be worried. Like to okay. me, this is another. This is this is I'm another. I'm glad issue you have for, such a high threshold of acceptance for that. Yeah, for me, you know, usually me, when your freedoms are starting to erode in front of, course, of you, you do something about it yes. actively. Our freedom, yes. You don't. Here we go. That that's what I'm talking about. This is another issue. For people to sit there and get up on their soapbox and be outraged and oh, here we it, no, it's, it's we will be on to something else in two weeks. Yes, we will, but we will be on to something else because we have a fucking president who gives us so much to fucking be on to constantly. Like he, first of all, I'm not so sure that this is necessarily a press issue as more than his narcissist Trump's well documented record of narcissistic support for any like anyone who who strokes his ego he gives a pass to anyone who dares to question anything about him he feels he has to destroy him right there on the spot like it just so happens this guy works for the press we've seen this with people who aren't part of the 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 legitimate press they might be like rosie o'donnell someone like that or someone who's on the view who might be part of the you know the pop culture press whatever the fuck you want to call that i mean they are in the media but we've seen tons of examples of people not in the media who, if they stroke fucking Big Daddy fucking Trump's dick, he, he totally gives them a pass. He totally fucking ignores anything they do that's wrong. And if they dare even question him, he does his best to absolutely just scorched earth policy destroy him. And that's, yeah, yeah was, was, was... I believe you could probably go back to every fucking president who ever was in office and ask them, do you think the press is fucking too hard on you? And I, I would almost guarantee to a man they would all say yes. All right. The difference was is that it wasn't – how do I put I – don't, I don't know how to put this. One, when Obama banned the guy from Fox, it wasn't reported like this, but Obama also didn't fucking send out his press fucking secretary – with doctored footage to lie right to the fucking face of a bunch of reporters and go, now, if you don't believe this lie, you're an idiot. It was what it was. And the news, right or wrong, wrong in my opinion, didn't fucking make as big of a deal about it as they should have. Right. Look, I don't think that... <laughs> I don't think that either case is right, but I don't think that there's a comparison either. It's an isolated incident with Obama. It's a pattern with Trump. I think this is a case where he realizes... Like, I think he realized a long time ago he doesn't have the power that he thinks he has. I think this is a case where he's like, ooh, there's a list and I can take this guy off the list. I, I, I just think this is, this is two dudes in a locker room fighting. This is, oh yeah, yeah. Like, I really honestly think this, that's what this is. I don't think they're trying to take anybody's freedoms away or anything. I think this is two dudes who got a thing, who got a fucking heart on for each other going at each other. And one guy goes, oh yeah, well, I could take you off the list. 
I kind of agree with you on this aspect of I don't even think that it crosses Trump's mind that he might be inf infringing upon someone's freedom of the press because that doesn't even enter his mind. What enters his mind is this fool stood up and asked me questions yes. that I said I didn't like, and how dare he keep fucking demanding an answer? The fuck is wrong with you? Don't you know who I am? Well, look, it, it's both. It's just I think you're looking at it too narrowly. The situation is what you describe, but that's not what's important about it. What is important is what that means to everything else, to our politics in general, to the press's access to the White House, to what we expect from truthful information from our White House. Well, I mean, I... This is a pissing match, no doubt. But if Trump gets away with this and says, well, oh, this works, I can just start banning people. It's not going to get to the point where, I mean, sure, maybe, maybe they would just shut down having any kind of press conferences. I can imagine that happening. The more likely scenario is you just weed out enough people so that you only have the people in front of you that ask the questions that you want to take. I really feel like it, it, that this is the equivalent of the boss that we've all worked for at least once or heard about people working for who's an absolute fucking asshole who walks in and is like the minute they walk in and they're in charge, they're looking for someone to make an example of in front of everybody. And then they get the they get the excuse to make an example of someone and they just fucking get your shit and get the fuck out of my place. Any other questions from anybody else? Like billions. You got the point now? You got the point now? You see how this works? It ain't you don't make the rules. I do. You don't like it? There's the door. Well, look, Chris, I think you and I both believe the same thing at at its core, and we believe that we should have access to information as to what our elected officials are doing. Yes. We're not going to argue about that. Correct. And that is that's something that's, that's important to how this country runs and how uh, we at least try to keep our politicians accountable. So any fucking with that is over the line. Now, to be outraged and, and cry that the sky is falling because of this one incident, I, I can understand why that's bothersome to one. As long because as CNN and other news organizations are in there, like it's it's fine, like that that's where I'm right. at. Like CNN has but, been banned. Like I think CNN being banned total would be problematic. Oh, but when you're the but when you're talking to me, when you're talking about basic rights and freedoms in this country that we claim to enjoy, there is no giving an inch on any of those. I mean, this this is how our freedoms are eroded is in little ways that. Well, this doesn't directly apply to me. You know, sure, ban this and tell people they can't do that. I don't even know anybody who does that. Why do I, why the fuck do I care? The scariest you know? thing. And eventually and eventually those things erode away until they are on your doorstep. And there's it's too late to do anything about it at that point. The scariest part of this to me is not necessarily that it's Trump or Obama or whoever the fuck who started the precedent. The scarier part is that when it becomes an acceptable part of politics in this country for politicians to go. You have the freedom to ask any question you want as long as I approve of the question. And if you ask a question I don't like, you got to go. But you still have the freedom to ask any question you want. And it's like, okay, now you're fucking splitting hairs. Now you're playing games. I mean, he could Trump could have easily just sit up there and said, I've, he could have, 
it, for all the lies, half-truths, and, and, and the lies of omission that Trump has said since Christ, the, the, he first came into the public fucking spotlight, let alone the, the political three-ring circus we have, he could have just went up there and said, look, I've answered this question. I'm not answering it again. Mm-hmm. End of story. Well, you can right. ask it 50 million times. You can rephrase it as many times as you want. You have my answer. I'm not every, answering it again. Every time that Trump has been abusive in his answer directly to reporters um, or completely dismissive of the question as being unimportant, it's because he doesn't have a good answer for it. And I'm, I don't know. That not that part of the job of being a politician? <laughs> Well, yeah, and part of the part of job like of being a having, good, an, having an answer. Part of the job of being a good politician is someone asks you a question you either don't have the answer for or don't want to answer. So the first words out your mouth is, "Thank you for asking that question. It's a very good question." And then talk about something completely different, mm-hmm. right? Or saying a lot and really saying nothing. Exactly, and I mean that's just that is a skill that Trump does not have in his skill set. Right. Somebody asked you a tough question. What do you think about the the number of uh, gun deaths in this country this year? Says, oh yeah, you know, thanks for asking that question. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, uh, human lives are really important to me. And speaking of human lives, the wild fires in California have t- uh, taken X amount of lives. And it's just so easy to just pivot off that and talk about whatever you want. I mean, I, we've grown up seeing politicians do that as standard practice, and that that's part of what people like about Trump is he's not going to do that. You know, other presidents thought, what a stupid question. This asshole again? And Trump thinks it and just says it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that, that's that, 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 the thing I, that I was sitting here thinking while Rich was, was saying all that stuff is, like, I think the thing that why everyone gets so worked up is, like, I just think this is the first guy that's actually doing all this shit in front of our face. Like, that's the thing. I think Obama did all this shit. I think the president before him did all this shit. I think... You know, I think our whole lives, this is just a guy that's just outwardly doing it in front of our face. It's pissing us off. Like, I, I think that's part of it. Like, he's just blatant with it. Like, yeah, that's how it goes. No, yeah. and you I. You all thought it, it worked may, like this. It really fucking does. It, and now I'm showing it, you. That may be a very cynical point of view, but it's one that I, I happen to share with you. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of, I don't he think there's much blatant. new. Uh, you're, What's I'm saying? That's the whole thing. Is it's blatant. He's the first guy that's just being blatant about it. Well, what I was going to say, blatant disregard for just whatever. Like, hey, whatever. um, Because I can. Because I'm president. Kiss the rings, bitch. Like that kind of attitude. Right. The exact opposite of the king that we were trying to avoid when we started this country. Yes. Right. Which is why this matters. Which is why it's outrageous that he does these things. I think he does them in front of cameras, or everyone else just did them not in front of cameras. Sure. Okay. Whatever. I mean, so none of the presidents prior had any sort of basic American values and didn't give a shit about the country, and it just miraculously came out okay so far. Nixon didn't come out okay. No, the country came out okay. Yeah, I don't. That's. that's, I think. I think you had two different Reagans. Like, I think you had, we, I think you had, had Ronnie had, when the cameras were on, and I think you had Ronnie when the cameras were off. Yeah, but if we had 200 years of Trump, 
there's no way we'd still have elections. Who'd be sitting here talking about the tyranny of King George, meaning King George Washington? Right. Look, I... I think the system's set up to keep people from getting too crazy, and it, it, it's already shown that it's worked so far. Supreme, Supreme Court has stepped in several times ago. Hey, hey, no, wait. I, I think there's many major ways where that's to be determined, that we're seeing the test happen in front of us. And I agree with that, and what's scary is the fact that we're testing things that we took to be fact for hundreds of years. We're now putting shit to the test that have already been decided. Mm-hmm. And why? Because it doesn't matter if the if the if the person who's leading your team is right or wrong. You just want your team to win, and that's that's a very scary place to be for people who who don't just cling to, like like go to one side or the other and go. This is my side, and this is all there is to it. For people who are like, okay, look, both both. Both parties are fucked up. Both parties have some good ideas to offer, but we're not even to that point anymore. We're beyond that point. I, I don't see us getting back to that point. I mean, everything that the, 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 the that that all the 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 Republicans who were oh Obama was the most divisive president in the history of this country, you know, everything that they said about him, they went and elected a person who actually in, embodies it, who mm-hmm. does it now. Who is Look, the most divisive president we've had? I'm not going to say in the history of our country because I wasn't alive during the Civil War, so I'm not going to I'm not going to act like I know exactly the mood of the country at that point. But I can tell you in my lifetime, this is the most divisive president we've ever had. Right, but Obama was at the time, but that divisiveness was based on the color of his skin, and a lot of people not on his behavior or words. In a lot of people's cases, I agree with that. And other and and that was also a that was also a bullshit built in defense mechanism to where if you criticize him, well, it must be because you're racist. And it's like, no, I'm not criticizing him for being black or wearing a tan suit or whatever the fuck. I'm criticizing well, then- his policy. So the people who the people who put forward that you can't criticize him because if you do, you're racist are just as complicit. And getting Trump into office as the people who said, well, I don't give a fuck. I don't want that Negro running my country. So I'm going to go elect the whitest man we can find who's so white if he don't spray himself orange, he's translucent. And we're going to put him in power. You, what, they, they may not have went and gathered the wood and built the fucking, the, the, the you know, arranged the wood and struck the match and, and started the fire themselves. But they damn sure were sitting there going, there's some really dry wood over there you can go get. Like they, that's what—that's the nonsense of going. Look, just because someone disagrees with the person who's leading your party doesn't mean it's because they're sexist or racist or homophobic, whatever the fuck. That's the danger of that identity politics on the left. And now the right has said, "Fine, you want to play that game? We're going to play that game." And I've said this years ago on this podcast: Don't play that game with white people. White people play the identity politics game real well. It doesn't work out for other people. And Oh, are you a white nationalist? Sure, whatever. Whatever you want to fucking call it. When we get to the point where nobody can criticize anybody without being accused of being some sort of ist, I'll be right. You people can be happy because you can continue to root for your side. And that's where we're at now. Because now it's, oh, you don't like President, you don't like President Trump? You must be a communist, a socialist. You disagree with, with, with Obama? Well, you were a racist. Or whatever the fuck. And it, it continued with Hillary. 
I, the most ardent Hillary supporters could never accept that people just didn't want to vote for her because she was a corrupt, horrible candidate. Period. That woman has more stink on her than pig pen from peanuts. All right? They couldn't accept that. No, it has to be because you're afraid of a woman in power. All right, no, well, then afraid, fuck you. Afraid of that woman in power. That will exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Right there. Vince Foster can't be afraid of her. She's dead. I mean, it, it, Trump is getting away with this shit because, one, he can. No one's going to stop him. He can throw someone out of the press corps and go, yeah, you're gone. And, and Chris, you're absolutely right. CNN could send someone in there who's going to play ball. Who's going to throw him nothing but just, you know, batting practice fastball so he can just put him in the seats every time. But then they're not doing their job. Listen, they need the Jim Acosta puppet, like Roxanne, like Steve Martin. Yeah. Ask yeah, the Jim Acosta it. questions from some, like, blonde chick that Trump's trying to hit on. <laughs> Make it look like Ivanka. <laughs> He's like, that's a very good question. Can I take you uh, a furniture shopping later? <laughs> well, like it, it's not like he got kicked out because Trump didn't like the ties that Jim Acosta was wearing. He didn't like his face. He didn't like the questions that he was asking. It was the questions that got him kicked out. Correct. So, like, well, so, all right. Well, let's move on. I want to talk about menthol cigarettes and flavored e-juice. And because, boys, are they smoking on the menthols? Well, uh, things that I things that I like. Both things are near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and and I yes. fall into neither of the classifications that we're going to be talking about. Well, this is this is a small way in which. Uh, Personal freedom is eroded in this country when we decide that there's a certain group that needs to be protected from a certain thing, and therefore nobody can enjoy it. And sure, you know, like most people, most people don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. And the rest of do, most of those don't smoke menthol. So there you have like 90% of the country going, why the fuck do I give a shit if they sell menthol cigarettes or not? Well, because meanwhile the hood is going what what's the, fuck? the next step what's the next step after menthol cigarettes fucking cigarettes those tobacco flavored cigarettes we're going to ban those tobacco flavored cigarettes hey. how dare you have cigarettes that taste like tobacco what's wrong with you well first well, of all we, we, we should probably we should probably describe what, what's going on so the fda for, for wants to well it it wants to ban menthol cigarettes completely, and it wants to restrict e-juice, flavored e-juice, to behind the counter, which I'm fine with, actually. You know, it, Wait, when you say behind the counter, I, I thought it was like uh, gas stations, grocery stores. So basically, you'd have to go to, to a tobacco or a specialty vape shop to get them. Or, or you, did, you I probably will, that? but no, uh, it's uh, they can't. They can't put them out on display you have to ask for them like you do cigarettes <laughs> oh yeah because that stopped the that stopped people from buying playboy hustler and penthouse right yeah <laughs> well that's the thing it's like they there's actual regulation on cigarettes you have to keep them behind the counter you know and if you go to buy cigarettes at the grocery store what do they have they have the fucking the box that somebody has to go get mm -hmm. the keys for 
Even at smoke shops, they're still behind the counter. Right. So most places have kind of followed the same basic rules with, uh, with other tobacco products. They don't have the same restrictions on, on e-juice. They can, that, that, you know, the same restrictions as far as displaying and advertising the products and, and things that we look at as accessibility. You know, we want to keep the cigarettes behind the counter because we want somebody to have to ask for them. So then there's a transaction where the person goes, can I see your ID and make sure that you're old enough to buy this shit? So the, the FDA is uh, fighting for getting those e-juices behind the counter with the rest of the tobacco products. That's, which, that's which, let me, which let me say real quick, I, I don't know yeah. about any other state because I have not visited any other state since vaping's taken off. But I've yet to go into any vape shop, gas station, wherever they sell vaping equipment and juice, and it not be behind the counter here in Michigan. I, yeah, I've seen right? it. It's not. It's not often, but yeah, there's a gas station in Taylor, and they just have like these bins of e-juice. So, so, the, so basically, rob us, please. Stick right. this in your pocket and walk out. These are the shits that don't sell anyway. Yeah. <laughs> These are small, easily pocketable items that teens like. Yeah, now that you're thinking about it, Rich, yeah, I've always had to get juice from, well, if I didn't get it in the mail. Yeah, from behind the counter. I've yeah. always had to ask for it. Yes, and I and mean, it, and that, I agree with you, Aaron. Asking for it is no big, what do you say? If you can ask for rubbers in a fucking Playboy, you can ask for fucking e-juice. I think there's yeah. a little, there's a lot less stigma to that than there is going. Uh, can I get chunky asses from back there, please? Okay. You know, so right. Well, I think also that uh, a lot of these retailers, like you know, here in Michigan, all over, or at least in this area of Michigan, Southeast Michigan, there's Wild Bills all over the place now, mm-hmm. and these are tobacco shops, is what they're advertised on, but. Really, what they built their business on is being a head shop and uh, and selling vape uh, accessories and juices and whatnot. And they, you know, if they again, there's not the same regulations over the the vaping and the e-juice and all that, but they are treating it like there is because they want to continue with this business. They know that. This is going to be popular enough. At some point, the government's going to start regulating it in the same strict way they do other tobacco products. <laughs> and rather than mess with the government, who could come in and say what we can and cannot sell, let's just treat this like other toba- tobacco products from the start. I think that's what most places are doing. Now, you know, fucking gas station doesn't care, yeah. especially if they're not a chain. And fuck your children. Isn't that where we're going here with the fruit flavors, though? It's the children. I mean, okay, but hold on, hold on. I understand where they're trying to go with that, but mm-hmm. um, most people I know that started smoking at a very young age didn't start start smoking menthols. There was no flavored e-juice because there was no such thing as vaping. They were smoking straight up. Marlboro Reds, Camel Wides, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the usual suspects that lead you down the road to finding the brand that you end up usually sticking with. White kids in the suburbs usually started with Marlboro Lights. Well, but no, but that's their beef with it, is that there is now this product that is, to, it's like the fucking Boone's Farm of tobacco products. And that's how they're looking at it. They're saying, well, you know, they're going to get in tobacco and then eventually they're going to be smoking cigarettes, which is kind of ridiculous. 
I don't know anyone who's went who started vaping and never smoked a cigarette and then went, just not enough. I need that cigarette. Yeah. I don't know any young people that have done it. I know quite a few young people who vape. I this is what I don't understand. Young people who vape, but vape zero nicotine. And I'm like, Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. It's like drinking non alcoholic beer. Yeah. What like- do you I accidentally ordered a juice and it's got no nicotine in it. I'm like, well, this is useless to me. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm. What you do is you order a juice twice as strong as what you normally would, and then you mix them. That way, it's yeah, not a complete waste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like a oh fuck, I checked the wrong thing on the computer. It is. And I tried to. I sent them like four emails. Like, give me the three milligram. No, it's too late. But what I'm getting at is that that's what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're saying this is going to make kids want to vape nicotine. Okay, well, we've had this discussion on this show before, and this is one of the societies, like, this is one of the lies that we just accept in society that no one challenges, like, you know, the, the wage gap and, 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 and any other number of bullshit lies mm-hmm. that we just, we just all just nod and go, yeah, because it's easier than getting into an argument. We'll agree to agree on this lie. And... Nicotine doesn't cause cancer. No, it's the delivery system. Well, right. If there are health risks from vaping, we already know that it's not going to be caused by the nicotine. It might be something else in there. Yeah. But we already have the proof that fucking nicotine has nothing to do with the nicotine itself. It's always about the delivery system. Yeah. And and every every time something in e-juice for vaping has been found to be harmful. It is almost immediately phased out by this, by the industry itself. Yeah, it's it doesn't correct. Yeah. The whole popcorn yeah. lung thing, it was found in certain flavors. And so they said, we're no longer carry those flavors. We'll find a way to replicate that flavor through, a, through a different process. Cause we don't want to poison our own fucking customers. Right. All right, and it didn't take the FDA stepping in. It didn't take anybody making laws to take, you know, shit away from you. Like you're a fucking child who can't make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the the thing that sticks out to me is that it, it, the the health odyssey I've been on for the last three years has made me see v- like just a whole cornucopia of doctors. I mean, from cardiologists to, to, to general practitioners and everything in between, and they've all said the same thing. If you feel like you can't give up the cigarettes, go to e-cigarettes. Just don't get a high dosage of nicotine in your e-liquid because nicotine is a stimulant, and if you have high blood pressure, a heart condition, et cetera, et cetera, certain conditions, it's going to make worse. Go for the lower nicotine and i did and there was like a three four month period last year where i found a brand of juice i loved i found a a mod i loved i everything was perfect i was literally down to like maybe a pack a week it was like you know the after after a meal wake up in the morning them type of cigarettes and for me that is a huge cut down and then the bullshit regulations went into effect to where every e, f- e-, e-, e- flavor a company offers has to go through FDA approval, and that's that's going to cost close to a million dollars per flavor. And the company that produced the e liquid I liked that essentially was weaning me off of cigarettes went went under because they couldn't afford to stay open. Ain't that a bitch? 
So what did I do? I went back to, let me get two packs of cool milds, please. Thank you. So congratulations. If this is, if this is what the government wants is to get people to stop smoking, you are doing the opposite with your bullshit. By sticking your fingers into the pie. Well, I think Too many cooks in the kitchen. What I think is hilarious is energy drinks are legal. Yeah, you drink four fucking monsters, it'll be the last four Dude, monsters. I stopped you drinking drank. that shit just because I read the side of the can one day. I don't know what the fuck any of this shit right, is. Right. You couldn't read the side of yeah. the can. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck any of this shit is. I don't want to. I'd rather get cancer from. Yeah, I'm going to get to be ahead of the curve and quit this shit. No, thank you. Right, none of them were those ingredients are like. Oh, yeah, I'm always hearing about that. People say I should get more chlorine uh, yeah. like in my diet. 13 letters, a bunch of consonants next to each other. <laughs> it's like in the, it reads like a Nazi genetic experiment. Yes. There's so many hard consonants in there. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to make Joshua call on this one. Stop drinking these things. It's the trichlorohydroside that really brings the taste together. Oh, it's, it's, it's too, and, too, it's, and again, we're back to like kind of fake outrage. Because still, my beef with, who was it, CVS, that I believe is the one who stopped selling tobacco for health reasons. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, come get your processed food and prescription drugs. You know. Well, oh, oh, no, no. It's better than that. We're and your alcohol. Cig- exactly. We're not going to sell cigarettes because it'll kill you. But here, you can buy two-fifths of rot gut fucking yeah. five o'clock. And if you slam those two fifths, it'll be the last time you take a drink ever. Get your grab your twelve pack of bud on your way to grab your prescription for your opioids, and then yeah, grab some processed hey. food on your way out. But right, for, cigarettes but, are but the silent health. killer. Yeah. You want the fast killer? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you something that cigarettes for under take twenty too bucks, long. you yeah. could die tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not bad enough that alcohol destroys your liver. We got to speed up that process. So here's a bunch of Vicodin laced with acetaminophen. And you can buy your case of beer on the way out, so you can mm. you can get your buzz on, and your liver could look like a doorstop by the end of the year. But your health. And by the way, it's December first. Yeah. But Don't your health. To load up on sugar. Yeah. But your health. Yeah. Get your pail of sugar. Well, to me, besides the okay, the e-cigarette thing is look, they're going to be under attack from the 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 fun governors, the fun police, whatever you want to call them. It's this is always going to happen. There's always going to be some. Uh, busy body teetotaler cocksuckers and squawking fucking magpie fucking yentas trying to dip into everybody's business constantly. That's all there is to it. The thing with the menthol cigarettes is so insulting to an entire race of people that if I was black, I would be like, where's a plane I can crash into a government building? Yeah, ain't this some shit? Government sponsored. But no, remember if it's advertising? If it's 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 uh what is it um it's demographics demographics say that african-americans smoke menthol cigarettes well according to i guess this has support amongst uh the naacp the national urban league the national medical association the african-american tobacco control leadership council i didn't know half those organizations existed they all say the medical, or the men, the medical, the menthol ban is long overdue. According okay, so to the New well, York menthol's Times. menthol's delicious. Hold on, hold on. If so they, the NAACP, if they had a Newport, has 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 rubber stamped this. The the same group who gave R. Kelly an image award after he pissed all over a fourteen year old girl and fucked her on video. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So fuck them idiots right off the bat. Second of all, no no other in, uh, thing that no other group that's rubber stamped this is a group that is neutral from the get go. Their 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 starting point is ban everything we don't like. So I can't take them fucking. I can't take them seriously. The African American Tobacco Control, whatever the fuck, really, really, just like you, I didn't know it existed. But by their name, I can tell you they're probably not handing out free samples of fucking uh, uh, Benson and Hedges, all right? They're probably not telling you, well, it's a personal decision whether you want to smoke or not. No, they're more. In, they're, it's more important to tell people how they, to live their fucking life. So fuck all those people in the first place. Those are th These are not people looking at it from the point of view of, I'm going to take what you like doing away from you. But you better not fuck with what I like doing. And by the way, I'd like to see how many fat-ass middle-aged black women sit on these fucking, uh, uh, the panels of these places and be like, uh, what would be easier? Getting that piece of cake out of your hand or lighting up a cigarette indoors in California? Because I'm guaranteeing it's a fucking, it's a, it's a dead heat. All right. I, that's what I find hilarious is when I have someone who lives a completely unhealthy lifestyle but because she's a BBW, you know, a beautiful big woman, I can't, and, 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 you know, if she, if she looks at a piece of cake, her foot falls off. If I criticize that, I'm, I'm, I'm fat shaming her and I'm, I'm a misogynist and, and, and whatever other things they could throw in there. Yet it's okay to fucking go, oh, you smoke? We're going to treat you like a fucking leper. And by the way, we're going to take this thing that you like away from you, even though it has nothing to do with you. Like, First of all, how racist is it to say that, well, we're going to ban menthol cigarettes because we're saving black people? Whoa. We're uh, heroes. I, we're heroes, Rich. Don't you get if it? I, if I walked into a, a bar in Detroit and said, uh, only black people smoke menthols, I don't think I'd be walking out without some help. Yeah, Maybe even bar. possibly being carried out. Some bars that may be like, yeah, hey, you're right. You got one? <laughs> Run through a <laughs> KFC slapping buckets out of people's hands. <laughs> like, Save your arteries, black people. <laughs> Put down that sweet potato pie. Go to the Fago factory, chain yourself to the door. You can't go in. Your liver is Must dying, stop. black people. I'm gonna yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna get me a, a dyke spike haircut and I'm gonna go into every fucking party store I can find here around the Detroit area and I'm gonna grab flaming hot Cheetos and go, This is a this is we can't let you eat this. It's poison. This poison is what black oppression looks like. They want you to eat this. And then, okay, second of all, if I'm a black person and the government's telling me you can't, we, we're going to ban menthol for your own good, I'm going to look at the government and go, when the fuck have you done anything for yeah. my good? Yeah. I'm black in America. Hey, you looked around my neighborhood? Great job. You've been doing helping me. Thanks. By the, I guess I could say this. Thanks for the free boat ride 450 years ago. <laughs> oh. You know, it wasn't a Snap. carnival cruise ship. And a third of us died on the way over, but eh, you break a couple eggs when you're trying to make an omelet, right? Come on now. I mean, this is just fucking but you're ridiculous. You're just trying to give us a better, better life, right? Oh, God. It is such, that is such, okay. And I'm not, I'm not trying, I swear I'm not trying to get on some racial, racial shit, but that is the government treating an entire group of people like they are fucking children. And yeah, to sit there, black, and, and, that's a step well, up, like, right? I, you know, I understand what you're saying, but it, I think at its core, it's telling all adults in this country that they're children. None of you can make the decision on your own. 
Or is this, or, okay, let me put on my tinfoil I mean, hat specifically, it's popular amongst black people, but when the government says, this thing is illegal, this product that some people in this country are enjoying are illegal, they're cutting off that access to everyone and dictating to everyone in this nation what they can enjoy or cannot enjoy. But let me put on my tinfoil hat for a sec. Is this another way to try to drive a wedge and stir the pot in an already contentious racial atmosphere by saying uh we're banning menthol cigarettes to save black people so white people that smoke menthol you can't smoke them because black people like them get mad at them not us <laughs> i mean i seriously every every fucking thing in the meat not ask okay let me okay let me run that back for a second Sorry, I'm, I'm speaking I'm, absolutes. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> on my, I'm getting on my rant mode. I gotta try to reel it in a little bit. I'm going to say a large part of the media that I see in on a day to day basis is nothing but just to put out there. Whether it's meant to or not, I don't care. The end result is it's divisive, and this is just another thing to sit there and go, eh, well, eh, it's not really our fault. It's these black people who can't control themselves sucking down their menthols. That's why you can't enjoy your menthol. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Roland, uh, a white person, you know, or whatever the fuck. And it's like, see, this rich, this way, right. we're two cynics come from two different places. I'm thinking like, this is another thing for whitey to be like, all right, it's another thing you can put in the column that Joe was for, you know, Hey, we took care of that slavery thing for you a couple hundred yeah, but years ago. That's that's now we're that's helping you live longer. That's the beauty of this, Chris. It works both ways. They can claim both. They can divide and conquer, and they can go. Oh yeah, what about when we helped you live longer? Yeah, we're we're benevolent dictators. Well, you know, we're, we're slave owners who who actually let you in the house when it gets cold. Yeah. It's to okay the, to the divisiveness of uh, the media. I'll tell you, like I was saying at the the beginning of the show. I kind of shut myself off from like the, not from politics in general, just from the day to day, you know, what's happening in the Russia investigation, what's happening with uh, the Trump administration. I don't need to know all the details, at least not right now. I need some space from that, but I didn't, I didn't change my Twitter feed. So I get to see all the stuff that people are liking a lot and sharing. And the majority of those stories like the majority of what I see in my Google News feed is legitimate news stories, honestly. The majority of what pops up on Twitter and gets shared a lot are, can you believe what the other side is doing? It's, you know, MSNBC, someone's sharing a story from MSNBC saying what somebody on Fox said. And the Daily Caller retweeting a story about, can you believe what these nutbags on CNN said? Pretty much and what Twitter's that, turned into. That is, look at this. Well, well, look at no, this. No, it's not. Uh, and Twitter is just an example of that. And it's a nice way to, to get a snapshot of what people are, are paying attention to. But it's not Twitter's fault. It's merely those are the stories that are getting people's attention. You know, the long form piece about the Russia investigation gets skimmed over. But, you know, somebody saying something possibly racist that gets played on a loop endlessly and shared and, and, and liked. And that's what people want out of their media right now. And, and this is, but they just, may say otherwise their, their actions prove 
that's what's important to them, and that's what they think is worth sharing with others. Not cool, everybody. Just like people who are able to see past the forest or past the tree to see the rest of the forest understand that Trump is not the disease. He's the symptom of the disease. Anyone who can, who can, who's able to do that can see that, yes, the media is not the disease. They're a symptom of it. We like divisiveness. We like tr- grouping up and going, that group's, that group's wrong and our group's right. And they're just like, well, let's stir the pot. But don't think they're doing it just because we like it. They do it because they get something out of it too. Money. Wait a minute. There's no difference. (laughs) They're doing it for eyeballs. With eyeballs come money. So they're they're just giving the people what they're asking for. But we're also we're also trying to. uh, uh, It's almost a reductionist viewpoint to look at it and go, well, the media just gives us what we want. No, we've been. It starts with humans are tribal by nature. We stoke that flame. Whether we, whether we want to admit it or not, we break ourselves up into nations, we break ourselves up into states, to counties, to cities, to, to, to what school we went to. You know, I mean, look at the language we use in high school sports, our rival school. Rival school? What are you competing about? What, 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 you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it is so ingrained in us. I, I would bet to say it's, it's just part of our makeup. As a species. So, I mean, this is just the natural outcome of that fact. This isn't, I'm not, when I say the media is, is, is stoking the flames and keeping the shit going, of course they are. Because that's what puts people either in front of the TV or going on their mouse and keep clicking yeah, the next keeps story. Keeps them alive. Right. But it's, it's not some agenda from the media. Some it's, media, I truly believe it is. Uh, no, I mean they're they're playing the system as presented to them. There's, it's a monetized system. We've decided that, you know, uh, we certainly decided that the idea of having uh, our our tax money actually go to any of this is is ridiculous. So it's all advertiser based. So you have to get eyeballs in order to get. To, to show the advertisers like, hey, you know, pay us lots of money to put your ads on because we are getting all these eyeballs because of these stories that we are producing that people like to see. Well, so I mean, mean, as long as it's as long as your news is advertiser based, there's not really much hope in changing the system. But then again, what is the system that is is better that you have the media with its own agenda? That's because I'm not sure I like the idea of. The government-sponsored TV. Hey, pay your taxes, and we'll give you the TV. I don't know. Right. I, there's, I don't like that's that That's what idea. I'm saying. There's, there, there's no perfect answer in this. And because believe me, believe me, I listen to a lot of NPR because it is really the only thing to listen to once you're done with sports talk and you don't want to listen to the same fucking songs over and over. And if N- most of NPR's funding came from the right the programming on NPR would be quite different than what it is right now. So even privately funded, subsidized, subsidized to a certain extent by the government, can yeah. be taken over by an ideology. And all it takes is the prevailing ideology to be the ones that give the most money, and they're the ones they're going to pander to. Because 
Something I will give the local part of NPR here in Michigan, here in Detroit, is WDET. They will throw people on the air with their live call-in segments who totally disagree with the host and their guest and the premise that they're putting forward. But I don't really hear it as much on the national side. Most of the time I hear, what I hear is, we have two people here, one who's on one side, one who's on the other. Let them present their sides, and then they fight it out. So NPR is essentially oh, turned into what, what, what the news is turned into. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to tell you the story. Now we're going to have people argue about the story from separate ideologies. Uh, I mean, it's kind of apples and oranges, though. You, you're talking about local programming that can have a call-in show. Yeah, it's... it's not really feasible to have like a, a call-in show like that on a, on a national level. And I, well, I don't know. I think, there's, I think there's, you'd be surprised one... to, to know how many conservatives do listen to NPR. I mean, that's why, that that's why they're there. You know, these people didn't just hear like, oh, NPR is going to have a local program where people can call in about this subject. Oh, I'm, I never listen to NPR, but I'm going to call in and give them a piece of my mind. No, they're listeners. That's oh no! And it's 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 a hate listen for him. Believe me, I yeah, I know. No, but I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I don't think that's the norm of conservative NPR listeners. It's not a hate listen. They may hear stories that they disagree with and and want to you know call in sometimes and express their own views, but they're I don't think it, it's they're not watching it like you know for those uh, those gotcha moments to share on Twitter or. Not rather they're uh, listening, not watching. Well, I think no, the same I, goes from PBS. Yeah. Well, I, I still maintain the media, yes, to, the media we have is the media that they realize, oh, this is going to put the most asses in the seats or get the most clicks, give the people what they want. But I, I still maintain there are media outlets that are completely fucking agenda-driven, I mean, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Looking right at you, uh, uh, Infowars, Young Turks, Jezebel, Breitbart. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and the problem isn't that they're agenda driven. The problem is, is that they've started to believe their own bullshit lie that we're not agenda driven. We're here. We're the ones telling you the truth. Everyone else is lying to you. And I mean, one of the one of the one of the clearest and most simple ways to find someone who's mentally ill is to ask them so do you have some mental problems and they go no i'm fine everyone else is crazy back away from that person slowly because that's a dangerous person that's a person who sees no wrong in what they do george Carlin talking about the self-esteem movement it hey turns out sociopaths have a very high opinion of themselves (laughs) absolutely yeah i mean when you're starting off with this is a story no one else is talking about, maybe take a second to examine why nobody else is talking about it. Could no, I mean, it be because it's not true? Well, and I, what was it? Orbit and I think Metro Times did it for a little, a little bit. I don't know if they still do it, but they used to have you know their year end issue, and they would have like the ten news stories the mainstream media overlooked or whatever. I think and, that was uh, traditionally a Metro Times thing. I don't. Oh, okay, I didn't. I didn't know if it went back to orbit or not. And it, when orbit shut down, Metro Times picked it up. I wasn't sure, so I was just trying to cover all my bases. Yeah, no, that, that that was definitely a Metro Times thing. The, the, they would highlight 
10 important national news stories that didn't get reported on. Yeah, and I would read these stories, and I would go, okay, no. And I'd think to myself, why didn't they get reported on? Are they important stories? Absolutely. Do they affect a lot of people? Absolutely. Are they the sexy stories? Absolutely not. They're, they're stories that take a lot of, I can't get outraged or I can't throw my support behind it immediately. I need to dig deeper. I need to have more facts. There's a lot of nuance to them. There's a lot of what is what happened in what context. I don't have time for that. I want to watch the news and I want to be told, this is on this side, this is on this side. Fight. Get angry about it. Like Mortal and Kombat. It really is. And the more I pull back from a opinion-based news, the easier it is to spot. Oh, yeah. And the more I just roll my eyes, and I'm like, hey, okay. The more you I, realize it's out there, how much of it's out there, and you're, Jesus Christ, that's the, that's the unsettling thing. Exactly. And it, when I roll my eyes at the news, believe me, I'm saving a healthy dose of eye-rolling for everyone who laps this shit up like it's you know sap from the tree of life or something it's like no no you can't see past this and the the answer is no they just don't want to they don't want to that's i look i'm not going to invest this much i just want to be outraged i don't want to invest time and effort into understanding my world i just want to be outraged by things Mm -hmm. why would i look into the minutiae of things it's just so much easier to just be like, fuck everybody. Why would I bother to learn why to be outraged? Exactly. I mean, it's something as is, something is crazy as the Flint water crisis, which, by the way, if you're not from Michigan, Flint still doesn't have clean water. Yeah. It's been going on five years, folks. Mm-hmm. Okay? But, but you know. It's not the cool political prop now. It was cool hey, two years ago. It has acceptable levels of lead in the water, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So Acceptable means fucking drink it. It's right in the name. (laughs) (laughs) It means your kids will come out and they'll just be at the top of the spectrum. They won't be wet brain fucking, you know, CP cases. They'll just be, you know, uh, they'll just have a little bit of behavior problems like pissing the bed when they're janitors, damn it. Yeah. They'll (laughs) just have to go to class upstairs and get out of school a half hour before everybody else. (laughs) And never leave their classroom, (laughs) even for lunch. They have the same teacher for every class. But I mean, you know, it's it's we just had the governor's race here, and it was it it was just it was deconstructed to the point of the the Republican candidate pointing at all the Democrats saying it's their fault, and a Democratic candidate pointing at all the Republicans saying it's their fault. And I'm just like, uh, no, you both are fucking complicit. Both parties are complicit. There's more than enough blame to go around. The system failed on the whole. It failed these people. The system that was placed there specifically not to fail these people in this way. You had one job. Yeah, nobody and realized. You didn't do it. That, that was one thing that was bipartisan is fucking up Flint. There's blame for, for everybody on both sides of the aisle on that one. That's a group effort to fuck over those people. Absolutely. And it's just not a sexy story to cover because it, outside of the governor's race where people would get, you know, it kind of flared up like a, like a case of the gout for a second. Mark Ruffalo's people, still there giving people water? No, <laughs> he's not. He's moved on. Um, but, yeah, you know, except for the, the, the little hiccup that happened during the, the, the gubernatorial 
uh, election. It was just, eh, it's just, eh, it's just, it, it is. Everyone knows it's there. Eh, just, what are you going to do about it? You know, we don't even give them, there, there is no private person even donating large amounts of, of bottled water to them anymore. It's, it's literally like, they're just like, well, if you can't afford to buy bottled water, uh, boil it and hope for the best. Hill Dog, where you at? You're the you know, mayor I, of Flint two years ago. But I mean, I totally, right. yeah, I totally no, remember that. when all that shit happened. There was a bunch of rappers and, 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 and CEOs and, 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 you know, Elon Musk was going to build a whole new pipe system and all this shit to come to the rescue. And it got him headlines. But ultimately, has any of that came once once the headlines dried up, Puffy wasn't handing out cases of water anymore. Right. Well, it, I, I think a lot of people look at it the same way that uh, well, when we were growing up, it was uh, all the the aid for Africa, you know, the famine and starvation happening in Africa. And people are like, hey, you know. First famine, I'll buy the Live Aid album or whatever the fuck, and or that was for AIDS. It was the We Are the World, and or do they know it's Christmas? I'll buy the fucking Casingle and do my part. But second famine, you should have moved already. Like what the fuck? That's because because hey, after that first wave of it, Sam Kennison did his bit where he said, "I'll solve world hunger. We rent every rider in U-Haul we can find." We go to Africa, get your kids, get your shit, load it up. We're going to make one trip. We got deserts in America. We just don't live in a mass hole. We'll take you to where the food is. Too simple. Yeah. And then people were like, oh, that's a good, oh, wait a minute. And it's like, no, that's a joke. That's a bit. Right. That doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't absolve the world of, of, of solving this problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Take them to where the food is. Okay, well, uh, it's not on this continent. Oh, well, wait a minute. We don't want a bunch of refugees. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got plenty of food in America, but you're not but welcome no, that, here. I think that's the attitude in Flint. Like, okay, wait a minute. It's been like years and years now where this has been going on. Like, I would have moved already. Frankly, I wouldn't have put up with that. Yeah, it, because you had you had a house it, that after I'd all say, the... Biffy, we're moving to another city. <laughs> One that prices clean water. I think if it was on a coast, people would care more. Your oh, your yeah. house your house that after the the all the GM and 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 Ford and plants moved out that why they were there was worth a hundred thousand that was then worth like sixty thousand now after the water crisis is worth twenty thousand if that and that's just because of the land you can't even sell but yes you, you're going to get up and move out yeah yeah that makes sense yeah right because you, you're working fucking you know twelve dollar an hour job and you can't afford to move like outside of the city directly all the rest of the rent is way too high for you try and and then try and fucking relocate when you're living paycheck to paycheck or try and get a job somewhere that wait you don't live within 45 minutes of it what the fuck are we no we're not gonna, we're not gonna hire you based on you probably moving down here it's it's just not gonna fucking happen yeah what do you think you are a ceo right Come on now. <laughs> wait, there's nobody fucking relocating Oh God! Remember, remember the remember. Uh, sorry, I gotta I gotta go down memory lane with Chris for a second because I think this was coming to an end by the time we we went to specs. But remember talking to the older DJs who talk about if if a uh, you know right out of school or you know after your first or second job, if a if a radio station wanted you bad enough, they would pay to relocate you. 
Yeah. Do you remember them talking about that in class? And then, like, when you went to go in the job market, they were like, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. don't do that anymore. Yeah. And by the way. Uh, not for part-time you, people. Not for the gigs yeah. we were applying for. Right. Yeah. And even if you're not part-time, even if you're full-time overnights, yeah, we'll give you a dollar an hour raise, but you got to get to the middle of Clintwood, Virginia on your own. Yep. And it's like, I can't even find Clintwood, Virginia on a map. You know, and I got really? my full-time gig. You already live here. Cool. Perfect. <laughs> you start Monday. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's. but once again, these are just things that this is, you see all these, you see all these issues, you see all these problems, and then the, the more you dig into them, the more you, you start to understand that we are all, to an extent, guilty of perpetuating this shit through the very lifestyles we live. And when you see that, you, you're only presented with a handful of choices. And, you know, the, the right choice is never the easy choice. The right choice is to withdraw from a, from a system that perpetuates this shit and destroys one group of people so another group of people can live somewhat comfortably. But the easier decision is what? Just get outraged. Get mad. Beat your drum. Post on social media. Change your profile pic when something happens that you don't like in support of whatever the fuck. And pay your guilty conscience to go away. You know, it's, it's that time of year. I'm starting to hear the bells out there. People start chucking, you know, change into the bucket for the, for the people standing outside the stores and shit. And they'll feel better about themselves. And that's all that really matters, right? I mean, we're, we live in America. Like, no matter what. We know we go to 7-Eleven. The, the milk may cost $5 a gallon, but there's milk there. There's, pl- there's grocery stores full of food. They got so much food, they throw food away. Unless you work for some people I've worked for, then you can take off the expiration date and reset and keep selling. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the acetone. Well, we've been talking a lot of, about the divisiveness in the media. And you know who is a really divisive media figure? Who's that? Stan Lee. He is now. Nah, he's dead now, but I think for (laughs) most of his life, he was was seen in a very divisive way. And a lot of people love Stan Lee. Don't get me wrong. I love Stan Lee. But I don't know. I mean, (sighs) I don't even know where to start. Well, this is, but, this is all you two. I figured this well, is at I mean, least good for an hour. I can, I can, I, I, this is how I've looked at Stan Lee since I was old enough to hear the stories of how things went at Marvel in his heyday. And mm-hmm. I would say that he is pretty much, and this is being very generous, he's a co creator and he was a full time promoter for Marvel. He was the guy that, for whatever reason, had no shame and would go out there and say cheesy shit, you know, hey, true believers, Excelsior. And he had a distinct look. He seemed like an approachable guy. And so he was, he became the face of Marvel. But what a lot of people don't understand who aren't die, like diehard comic fans, like even casual comic fans, I'm surprised how many of them don't understand this. He wasn't the one necessarily writing drawing, plotting, and cre- and coming up with these characters. Well, yeah, I think 
most people looked at Stanley and they thought, first of all, that he drew. Right? Mm-hmm. You create, how do you create Spider-Man if you don't draw? He must draw. And, uh, and also think that because his name was, for a long time, it was on just... It was on every Marvel comic. So he tracer, he, he must have created <laughs> this whole universe. But you know, it's not to say that his contribution should be like pshawed away. Like he is co-creator of the core of the Marvel universe, characters that have endured for decades. You know, he didn't. I heard he, he sold didn't design. He, he didn't design the look of Spider-Man, and that look of Spider-Man is iconic. I mean that that suit has been tweaked in ways, but at the end of the day, it's like Batman. Like it's still got to look like Spider-Man, right? It's iconic. And uh, you know he didn't. Stanley didn't have anything to do with the design of the the character, but he was the one who wrote the character who decided that, well, this is going to be different. We've seen all these middle-aged, muscly men run around in spandex, and this one's going to be more grounded. I want a superhero comic about a teenage kid and how he deals with this type of change in his life. And it's not just going to be about punching freaks. It's going to be, you know, I got to beat the rhino, and I got to get dinner for Aunt May, too, and show up for class on time the next day. Beat the rhino. It sounds like he's going to beat off. Right. <laughs> well, so, no, I think it's boy. So, so, yeah, he, I mean, this, the, the problem is, is that he was so willing to take credit for it all. That, I, it, it, it seemed like it was part of his job. He's too huckstery for some people. Oh, well, I mean, I turned off. I mean, I think it turned off a lot of creators at Marvel. And it was a cause of a lot of uh, consternation internally. Well, I mean, just like there's a documentary out that I, I don't know if it's Hulu or Netflix, I can't remember, but it, it goes into the lost creator of Batman because, you know, in in the mind of popular culture, Bob Kane created Batman. Right. And every time you saw Batman's name anywhere, you saw created by Bob Kane. Well, eh, that's half the story. There was a guy named Bill Finger who there's an overwhelming amount of evidence had just as much to do with the creation and launching of Batman as Bob Kane. I mean, to the point where he was at, like, you know, a comic con as a guest and, you know, telling the stories, presenting the artwork, etc., etc. And this wasn't in a way to refute Bob Kane. This was just in a way of saying... You know, hey, yeah, they invited me, and yeah, I'm a co-creator of Batman. But you never right. knew it when you when you saw, and this may be getting way obscure for people. There, there used to be like daily Spider-Man comics in the news, in the newspapers, and the only thing you'd see unless you read the fine print was Spider-Man brought to you by Stan Lee. Now that was like right there, like you couldn't miss it if you wanted to see who who drew that artwork. You had to you know look for the fine print along the bottom of the comic. Just so happens I was deep enough in the comics that I did that stuff. I mean, I've had to, I've had to, you know, over the years, people are like, you know, Stan Lee created Spider-Man. I'm like, no, Stan Lee had a hand in it, but Steve Ditko, eh, 
He, he did a lot of the heavy lifting. You know, you can even make a case for Jack Kirby a little bit. Well, this was this was also kind of a problem that was built into the Marvel method. So the Marvel method for writing comics is something that Stan Lee kind of developed, and it's basically you talk to the artist and say, "Here's our story." Here's what's going to happen over the course of this issue. You draw it, and then I'll write in the words afterward. Mm-hmm. Instead of there's a uh, a more traditional way that resembles, you know, what you would get for you know a play or a TV show or a movie. You have a script, and it breaks down. You know, sometimes it's page by page. Here's what I want to happen on this page. Here's the dialogue. Here's some of the shots that I want to see and some of the stuff that I that should be in the background. Or sometimes it's panel by panel, you know, close up on this, two shot of these people. Now I want an establishing shot here. And here's the panels of dialogue that are going to be over top of it. There's all different kinds of ways. But the Marvel method was kind of done out of necessity, actually. It's been, there's been a lot of great comics that have been written that way. And there are people who can work together in that way in a collaborative way. Like I've worked with this artist so much that I know that I can just go, well, you know what I like and you know what we want to see. So here's just the general beats. So the way that that's the way that, that Stanley would work almost out of necessity um, just to, for a little bit of history. So Stanley as a teenager is, is hired in at timely comics. Uh, I think it was his brother-in-law that owned the company and works his way up from like sweeping to actually being involved in the writing of the comics timely this is like from the 40s to like end of the 50s and they're doing what everybody's doing at that time all kinds of comics superheroes weren't popular fucking monster comics crime fiction drama yep you know, uh, cowboy and Indian shit, all that stuff. And uh, so he, he manages to to hold on to working at this place that uh, has been struggling. You know, they're not the number one publisher of, the, of these comics. There's all kinds of people that are, are doing that. And, and what would eventually become DC Comics is is at the time the number one publisher to work for. It gets so bad at Timely Comics that even multiple rebrandings won't uh, won't save them. And when they eventually become Marvel Comics, it's Stan Lee is told by the owner, uh, "This is not working out. You got to fire everyone." Oh, and by the way, I'm going on vacation while you do that, and you're going to now write all of the the comics, and all the work is going to be for hire. So. That's when he brings in Jack Kirby and uh, and Steve Ditko and uh, oh uh, shoot, who's the guy who drew uh, Daredevil, the co-creator of Daredevil? Anyway, so he brings in these these creators, and he's like, you know, he doesn't have the time to write all these scripts out and hand them out. He's just like, here's what's going to happen. Here's the team. Here's the kid. Here's what they want. You know, uh, the story to be about. Just go do it. Bring it back. I'll letter it, and then it's out. And I, that I, I think that's why it there was so much uh, con- there was so much drama around this idea that like 
Stan Lee was just going, here's this basic story and go create it. And then I'm going to slap my name on it and go out and tell the world that I made it. He's like, and Apple. Sure. If, if the people that, you know, if the other people in the media that were engaging him were into this or educated enough about the medium, they might go, well, well tell us about working with Jack Kirby, though, you know? But they don't. They're like, their comics are for kids. This guy's making them. He's cool. He's got these, you know, the slang terms and all this jive and and he's got a thing going on and we want to talk to that guy and you know of course there's a case to be made that if if if, D, if Stan Lee was like really conscious of of other people he would be bringing that up like hey you know I represent this company but I don't make these comics alone but I mean he was what he was right. <laughs> And I don't know, if you don't have Stan Lee, then you really don't have Marvel Comics. He's a megaphone, in a sense. I think you nailed it. He's, he's, the, he's the, 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 the Steve Jobs, you know what I'm saying? He's the face of mm-hmm. Marvel. Like, like he's, he's the guy who presents the stuff at yeah. the, at the, you know, to, to the world. And, like, to me... Well, this uh, is, but this he was is, like he was like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs actually built a fucking iPad because Stan Lee did do the work. I mean, he worked for decades, right? He wrote thousands and thousands of comics before he even wrote superhero comics. He had de- a decade and a half under his belt of just writing comics. I mean, he did do the work. He didn't just publish it and slap his name on it and, and take all the credit. Yeah, but when you think of just, I guess, in this aspect... I, the, the comparison doesn't hold up if you want to, you know, strip the fucking hair into as many pieces as you can, split it in as many pieces as you can. I get that, but it holds up in this. People's, if you are not a a techie, mm-hmm. if you're not in the industry, and I say Apple, right, your grandmother is going to say Steve Jobs. Yes. If I say Marvel, Grandma's going to say Stan Lee. Yes. That's what I meant. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. He's synonymous with the brand. And here's here is the issue. I mean, here's the here is the, the 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 point that's going to happen no matter what. If it wasn't him, it had been somebody else. Believe me, when Marvel realized, because for oh, the the editor in chief at Marvel when I was younger, Jim Shooter was like the editor in chief. I couldn't tell you what he looked like, but you you damn sure knew he was the editor in chief. Mm-hmm. Well, every yeah, comic it, put it in your face. Eh, I mean, I don't think you would have somebody stepping up to that. I think there's something exceptional about Stan Lee that I, I think it's more of a case of whatever Stan Lee was going to get involved in, he was going to do it to that degree. If he was working in television or on movies, if he was working in any other form of entertainment, I mean, he would be that guy and, and probably achieve similar uh, heights in whatever medium he chose. I think he was just that type of driven and self-promoting and shamelessness it, it takes to be successful in this culture. And without Stan Lee, Marvel would just fold it, right? Because I have the podcast, a little, little bit this, P.T. Barnum. This is, this is built into, like, what happened with Marvel? Marvel was failing, right? And the whole reason they started doing superhero comics is because the publisher looked at what DC was doing and they said, oh, wait a minute, now they got, uh, it wasn't Justice League at the time, but it was uh, 
maybe they had Justice Society of America. They had some team up book, basically. They, where they were like, eh, we got all these characters laying around that nobody's really paying attention to. Maybe we just throw them all in one book and do it that way. And people started paying attention. People were buying this book that had Superman and Batman and Green Arrow and all these characters that have just kind of been floating around for a while. They were selling like hotcakes. Publishers said to Stan Lee, what do we got to lose? Let's try some of these weirdo superhero books. Chocolate, peanut butter, peanut butter, <laughs> chocolate. Right. I mean, it is because I, that... That's what people consider to be comics now. Oh, you read comics? So you like superheroes? Well, yeah, but that's like, that's like saying, oh, so you like, you like watching TV shows? So you like NCIS, right? Have you heard of Friends? <laughs> you, so what do you like most about cop shows? Well, there's more than just cop shows. Yeah, come on. But it's all cop shows TV is, right? No, actually, it's only a small percentage of it. Well, that's just an ignorance of the industry that, that a lot of people have. And, I mean, I can understand if you're not a comic fan, you've never been into comics, never had a kid or, or a family member or something, a nephew or niece that was into them, why you would think that. Because, I mean, most comic book movies coming out feature what stereotypically people think of in comics mm -hmm. you know i mean very few people realize something like american splendor was a comic book i know people i've shown that movie to and they're like was it really a comic book or did they just do that for like artistic license i'm like no it was a comic book <laughs> that's how the fuck anyone knows harvey Picar besides the, the the letterman show right are you serious like and they're oh i didn't know that there's comic books that don't have superheroes in them i'm like yes Yes, there's 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 comic it always book always has been, and before yeah. there was superheroes, there are, there was. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt. Did you never watch mm -hmm. that show as a kid? Every show they he'd open up the book, and there was a comic book cover based on the old EC comics, Tales from the Crypt. That that was a yep. real comic back in the day. You know that that's in fact those are the comics that had the government step in and put. Mm -hmm. The, the, you know, the, what is it? I forget what it was called, but, you the know. Comments code. Yeah, yeah, the yes, little stamp code. on it. Yeah. But see, everything we're talking about is, like, if you're a comic book fan, like, like a comic book fan, not just a, like, a, oh, I like the movies, but I never picked up a comic type fan. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much common knowledge. The thing that, 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 that tried to get, like, that the, the, the scolding justice warriors tried to get, like, the tsunami of bullshit built up the minute he died that had me going, please, please, asteroid, hit us, was the accusations on social media that he was racist and homophobic and, and, and misogynistic. And I'm like, didn't he get me too? No. And, and, uh, yeah, he, he got it. He, he didn't. He was. I remember since we've been on this show, wasn't he accused of a caretaker of, of uh, uh, verbally harassing her like you know hey sweetheart no. baby uh no it was actually the other way around that he was being harassed that he was, was being like, taken advantage of, advantage of stealing money from abu verbally abusing him well okay let's okay stop time out pause pause for a sec yeah. so if i did hear that well no no stan lee was me too and somebody and it came after the accusation that he was being taken advantage of that makes sense. I mean, come on now, because that's, that's, I'm not taking advantage of this old man. This old man grabbed my ass one time when I was, you know, 
helping change his catheter. That's what happened. I'm not taking money from him. I'm not leeching money off of Stan Lee. How dare? Because I do remember that. Now you bring it up. Because Kevin Smith at one point, someone asked, "Would you take in Stan Lee and take care of him if you had to?" And he goes, "Fuck yes, I would." And I just was like, "Why would you need to take care of Stan Lee? Doesn't he have enough fucking money?" <laughs> I mean, if someone could 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 you know go into hospice gracefully and go into a nice hospice, you figured it'd be someone like Stan Lee. You know, you figure he's got some oh, yeah. cash somewhere. Yeah. You know, he doesn't need Kevin Smith to come riding in on the white horse to the rescue. No, that might have just been a question at one of his question and answer periods because they throw everything at oh, Kevin Smith. There, there is a, if you Google Stanley and Me Too, there's a couple incidents from this year. It was like him and a massage therapist or something. I don't know. I'll send it to the chat. But apparently it didn't stick because that's not the first thing that comes up when we talk about Stanley nowadays. Well, I mean, the thing that 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 pissed me off was these, you know, jackasses trying to to create hate and discontent for anybody that's held up as you know, uh, uh, you know, someone's idol or hero because it's really that's what the SJW agenda more and more is turned into tear down the sacred, you know, make hamburgers out of sacred cows because you can. And now they did exactly what I expected them to do when presented with the, the facts, which was in a 1968 edition of his Stan soapbox, he wrote out, I mean, I'll just quote from the first couple of lines, Stan Soapbox from 1968. This is his own words. Let's lay it right out on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costume supervillains, they cannot be halted with a punch and a snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way for, to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them, reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically, and discriminately. If his hang-up is a black man, he hates all black men. If it's a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. And then it goes on in that vein. That's from 1968. That is yeah. from when the, this country was, was really in the grips of the equal rights movement. And he come out and said that shit, which is the equivalent of someone coming out and taking a strong stand on any issue that they yeah. creates hell these days. But Rich, put, modern comics are bad because they're too political. Also out of the curve with the <laughs> use of his term hater. But the, the point is, is that this is once again, here you go, here we go. Everybody, it, first of all, where were all these, where were all these, these, these screeching justice warriors when he was alive? Did, were they not aware? Reading his books? Of, of yeah. all the horrible things that he had done? You know, he co-created Black Panther, right? <laughs> But he put black in the name, Aaron. That's racist. <laughs> why does every black character have to have black in the name? That's why Hooper X's character in Chase Amy, white hating coon, he ain't down with any of that shit. He's just, you know, he's he's about the struggle. You know, that's 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 why he was created. I mean, come on, man. This is this is more of just a really. And here's the thing that irritated me: not that these people were trying to do it, because there's always going to be people like that. There's always going to be people that if you say something, they're going to take the opposite side. They're just contrarians or assholes, all right? Whatever. But the fact that they got as much fucking traction as they did until the comic book community stood up and said, wait a minute, time out. You can accuse this man of a lot of things. You can accuse him for taking credit when he shouldn't have at times. You can accuse him for being in a cheesy corn bag or a corn ball. 
But you can't accuse this man of not putting his fucking money where his mouth was. Because you fuckers who were born in 1990 who are, who are sitting here running him down, who grew up in never knowing any real struggle, this motherfucker threw in on the side of the people who were in the middle of that struggle, and it could have cost him everything. And he did it in no uncertain terms. Look up Stan's soapbox from 1968, read it for yourself, and you tell me if that's a man who's wavering in his statement. Who's, who's, who's playing both sides of the political fence. Who's trying not to step on the people's toes and feet. Because if you can read that and say that, then you are, congratulations, you, you are delusional to a point where it must be nice to walk around like that. I, I, I can only compare it to walking around on low-grade acid at all times. It right. must be fun. Also, co-creator of the X-Men, which is the modern allegory for oppression of minorities. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, was still at Marvel when they tackled the subject of drug abuse to the point where they didn't get the Comics Code seal of approval on one of their comics because they tackled that issue, which, which shamed DC into tackling social issues via Green Arrow and... and uh, uh, right. uh, oh. Speedy, no! Yeah. He's shooting up heroin! Yeah, uh, I'll be a nerd, but at least I know my fucking history. These people, th <laughs> these people think the world started the first time they have a memory. So you know what? Uh, I'm okay with being a nerd. But fun. yeah, it's just. Well, and I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that narrative died a quick death. That's what I'm just. Gonna, it was. It was nice to see a community instead of for once playing the game, the SJWs dictate they play for them to stand up, whip out their dicks slap these faggots in the face and go, I don't fucking think so. Sit down, cocksucker. And they went, oh, okay. Um, what else can we get outraged about? Because we're not going to win this one. It was fucking beautiful to see. Because it doesn't happen enough. It just doesn't. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the divisiveness of Stanley as a character, as a, as a media figure. And I think it's appropriate. I mean, I, I liked... I think it's all part of his. It's all part of Stan Lee, and it all should be addressed. I don't. I don't like this. Uh, you know, turning people into deities when they pass mentality, where we're only going to say good things about him. Neither do I like the fact that hey, it's a perfect opportunity to tear somebody down. Let's just let's just look at it through an unfiltered lens. But that being said, what I what I really thought about upon hearing his passing is not about Stanley as uh, as a divisive character, but just how I looked at him as a child. And I don't know where I'm going with this because I don't even really know how to put it into words. But there is there is something super heroic about Stanley himself. You know, I, I think most people that get into comics at a young age, like I did, have a, a similar experience of. Uh, you know, if especially if you're around my age, Marvel was a big thing, and that was uh, you might read some other comics, but if you read comics, you're reading mostly Marvel, right? <laughs> and you know, you 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 come across this world, however you come across, and you go, what is, what is this shit like? Where where is all this weird ass shit coming from? You know, I've heard of Batman and Spider Man, but there's like a whole fucking universe of this and you know if you if you read the the back matter in the comics you got to see stan's soapbox and 
here's this funky guy that has like his own lingo, but he's talking directly to you, right? This isn't just some like, and this is part of how comics got branded as like a kid thing. I believe is that what, because Stan was like, Hey, you know what? We're going to make these for kids and we're going to talk directly to them and invite them in. And, you know, he was the guy who was opening the door and like, Hey, you think this one was weird. There's a whole universe back here. Check it out. And I think Chris, your, your PT Barnum analogy is accurate, especially in the way that like, you know, as a child, that's the type of figure that just, I don't know what it is. It's the figure that can open up the, the door to another world for you. That's just thinking more from a carnival barker aspect. As far as from him, someone had to be out there banging the drum. Like, hey, no, I know, but I'm going deeper with it and saying that you know, the P.T. Barnum had a, a a magical quality to him. Oh, you're talking about that, the that, hey, come look at the freaks part, <laughs> P.T. Barnum. Well, no, not not necessarily that. I'm just, I don't know. Oh, sorry, I'm a weirdo. Well, I mean, to me, he meant, I, I don't remember Stan Lee as pretty much anything but the spokesperson slash face of Marvel. By the time I started reading comics, like, the the his days of being involved in the day-to-day writing, plotting, whatever, had pretty much come to an end. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just remember my dad and his his original comic book collection from when he was a kid. You know, and he was born in 1948, so he, you know, he started collecting, and he had comics from, like, you know, late 50s, early 60s. And, you know, reading them and realizing, oh, okay, he, he's more than just the figurehead and, this, and, and, the, and the face of Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, way that, the way that I feel is that, like, you know, Kevin Smith called comic books and comic book characters essentially American mythology. And I agree with that. That kind of is our mythology, for better or for worse. Some people, that's a compliment. Some people, that's, a, that's you know, that's, oh, that's an insult. But whatever, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. And Because right. you know, uh, Greek gods are, are super serious because they're old. Come on, man. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on now. If you actually look you at start, mythology. You carve marble statues out of them uh, in, in, in their images. That, you know, great pieces of art. I mean, all right. But you get what no, I'm saying. It's no you different. Know? It is no different. And it's the same stories. You know, if it wasn't it wasn't for him and it wasn't for what he did and it wasn't for what he had a hand in, I wouldn't have had the times with my dad that I did. You know, him handing off his collection to me and then when he started collecting when he got older and I and I started collecting as a kid, you know, sharing our collections, swapping comics, talking, you know, about different characters arguing about different things in comics, you know, just everything that everything that makes being a fan of something fun. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I, you know, I look, the man was flawed. He wasn't Christ. I didn't expect him to be perfect. We could sit and pick his, his him apart in his death. And I mean, yeah, I, some things need to be said, but at the same time, I appreciate the fact that. In some small way, that he'll never he, he went to his grave never knowing he facilitated those good memories between my dad and myself. He allowed he, he in some small way he made them happen. 
without even knowing it. And I can just yeah, appreciate I, the man for that. Yeah, I, and I bet you that there's been many people that have had a similar experience and probably had a chance to share that with them. I bet you during his life he, he'd heard that a lot. Well, yeah, if I'd ever, ever met the man, that's probably what exactly I'd have said to him. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't like meet him like I've met uh, one other person who I grew up admiring, which was literally rounding a corner, ran into him and was like, uh, oh shit, Ernie Harwell. Uh, I'm sorry I ran into you. And he's just like, are you okay, son? And I'm like, dude, you're 80. And I just ran into you full speed. Are you okay? And that was I, because I couldn't say anything else. I was tongue tied. Mm. And remember when you did all those tiger games? <laughs> you know, these, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, the claims that some were trying to make of like Stanley being, well, let's take misogynist for an, ex- for example. I mean, none of this was based on, any of his editorials or him speaking from his own thoughts or for as far as I know with any of his interactions with human beings or what they're doing is lifting texts from like old fantastic four comics that he had written where, you know, Reed Richards is saying, Oh, Susan, this is why you can't be the leader of the team. Women are too irrational. Yeah, you know, well, that was the fucking character he was writing. He was writing. Go back said, to your I'm going to write a, shed. this Superhero team is going to be a family, and the dad of the family is going to be a know-it-all misogynist prick, because who were the dads of the families in the 50s and 60s? Know-it-all misogynist pricks. Who got modern civilization to where it's at? Know-it-all misogynist misogynist pricks. Yeah, we modern modern civilization isn't built on what Cleopatra brought to the table. All right, so let's just get that out in the open. No, look, I. But that's the thing. That's part of the problem. You want people. Too many people these days want to judge somebody by the standards that we have today, and not take into account the times they lived in. I mean, case in point, I have a grandmother who went to her grave, never had a driver's license. All right. Um, some people in the, you know, in the family say that's because she never wanted one. Some people in the family say it's because the two husbands she had in her lifetime never allowed her to have one. Uh, the truth is she could totally drive a car. She wasn't very practiced in it, but if she had to, she could drive a car. She just never got a license. And the further truth is when she was younger, lots of people were driving around without licenses, right? I mean, the woman died in her eighties a few years ago. So put, put it into perspective. If you look at it now, it's like, oh, what horrible, misogynistic piece of shit, patriarchal cocksucker wouldn't let you get your license. And it's like, she just didn't feel the need to. Her answer was me. If she wanted, if she was at home and she, and she needed to go get something, she hopped in the car. My grandmother was an outlaw, basically. She said, fuck your license and your law. I'm going to drive this door if I want to drive this door, period. End of story. And hog the horn. But she, yeah, I mean, but too many people want to just go, okay, well, you have to look at it at through today today's values and how we judge him today. Well, today isn't 100 years ago. Today isn't even 50 years ago. Today isn't even 10 years ago. Right? 10 years ago to call someone a transvestite was totally acceptable. If you doubt me, go back and watch episodes of Law & Order SVU from 10 years ago where they're calling people transvestites, not transgendered, transvestites. And it wasn't a hate slur. It wasn't a hate crime to do so. Th- times change. All right? These people lived in a time that is no longer relevant. 
Judge them by what they did in their time. And if you judge them by what he did in his time, he was damn, he, he was damn close to what you could call pro- pro- progressive. Well, but no, people rather people rather harp on the fact that why was it uh, Spider Man but the Invisible Girl? <laughs> okay, so how about this? How about how about this? John Byrne come around and rename the Invisible Girl the Invisible Woman. Are all sins forgiven now? Mm-hmm. So when John Byrne dies, are we gonna are we gonna build monuments to him? No. Then shut right. the fuck up. Like I think that uh, I think societies should be looked at in that respect, right? I think you know the re- why is it Spider Man and the Invisible Girl? Let's talk about that. Why was that? What about the culture? Blah blah blah. Right. That's an interesting subject. It's when you tip over to then blaming the people who lived in, individuals who lived in that time, right? San Lee was progressive for a guy, for a fucking 40-year-old dude in, in the late 50s, early 60s. You could definitely call that man a progressive. But I guess progressives can only be appreciated at the time. Because with hindsight, once we've already progressed somewhat, we can look back and go, ah, oh, you didn't do enough. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's he, was, he was progressive on this and this and that, but he was complicit on all this other stuff. Well, okay. Well, we also have... Martin Luther King Jr. was an adulterer. So what? <laughs> what else you got? That's my favorite part of Barbershop. <laughs> when Cedric the Entertainment has a... Martin Luther King Jr. was a hoe? OJ did it, and I was just like, "Oh shit!" He's telling, he's telling all of black people's business on a Hollywood movie. Shit, <laughs> there's gonna be riots. And the the problem was is that the average black person was like, "Yeah, yeah, we know all that, and we know white people know it, but we can't let you know we know it." Come on, it's the game we play. This is we we just we're not gonna we're not gonna play cards with our we're not gonna play poker with our cards face up. Come on, it's just the game. It is what it is. And shouldn't we understand as adults that like no one is perfect, that everyone is flawed, and at at the end you're just judged on did you do more good than bad, right? If Stanley wasn't a perfect man, can you look at the joy that he brought to this world? Well, we can't think anymore. that. If, if I mean, we we I'm, we can. Right, and a lot. I'm of not saying can. that like this is like Cosby, right? It's not like Stanley committed some sort of crime. We're just like. Oh uh, yeah, but at the X Men. I mean, come on, right? No, but see the difference. Yeah, so he raped some people. The difference you know, between someone like Bill Cosby and someone like Stan Lee is Stan Lee existed during a time when to name a new comic book character, the Invisible Girl, wasn't given a second thought. While you named a new co- the other comic book character, Spider Man. Bill Cosby is a rapist. <laughs> that's, that's what. Oh, he that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he is good at his job. Like, if you go to his Wikipedia page, it should say television personality, comedian, rapist. Because rapist. he did it for fucking what, 50 years going back to like when he was on iSpy for fuck's sake? I mean, make, make an argument for the fact that he was a rapist first who found comedy as a way to rape people. Exactly. I could, don't think this shit just started you once can edit, you got famous. You can still edit Wikipedia, right? I'm going to see if I can put that edit in there. <laughs> Comma, rapist. Well, that's... Seriously, you do something for 60... He should have got a gold watch when he went to prison. He retired. I mean, that is, that is literally what the fuck he did. That that was one of his jobs. Oh, it's, oh, it, Wikipedia. 
William Henry Cosby Jr. They took the doctor out, I believe. Uh, is an American stand-up comedian, actor, musician, author, and convicted sex offender. Right? Well, he wasn't a doctor. His honorary degree was uh, withdrawn, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But it used to always be Dr. William H. Cosby, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no more doctor. Yep, right in the first line. So there you go, Rich. Although it should say rapist. I'm with you. I mean, it's, there is a world of difference between the two. And this is, this is the whole thing. That's, this is why it's so frustrating because more people than not can, can look at someone like Stan Lee and go, okay, yeah, maybe he called, maybe when he worked in an office in the 50s, he called his secretary, hey, hey, sweetheart, hey, honey, would you get me a cup of coffee? Totally unacceptable to do these days. I totally get that. At the time, it wasn't, okay? And it's there's a world of difference between that, which is like, you know, even now, is that like a hanging offense? No. That's a you get a warning from HR. Like, motherfucker, have you been binge watching Mad Men? You can't talk that way to people anymore. What's wrong with you? You know better than I don't that. work now. It's all like, hello, coworker. How are you today? That's right. cool. Making hello. copies, huh? All right. Have like, a good I, day. You know, you try exactly, exactly. But like to try to paint people, and this isn't just Stanley. This happens anytime, anymore. Anyone who's famous dies, and I'm with you, Aaron. Death does not make angels or saints of us all. I'm absolutely with you on that. But unless you're Michael the, Jackson, the pendulum has swung back way too far to where we have to demonize everybody the minute they die. Because, oh my God, man, back in the 50s one time, he called a chick abroad. Oh, that was horrible. It's like, really? Okay. Well, it's, right. a, it's a cheap and easy point that you can score. Hey, I can be right. Everyone's talking about this person and like he's perfect. And I remember the time they did blah. Well, you, you know, know I, I was listening to, a, to, to a, an old uh, Opie and Anthony show. And this was from like, I believe, 2005. And they were talking about like some new information about John Lennon had come to light where he spanked his kids. But the way it was presented was he beat his children. Okay. When did when when was John Lennon having kids? What, sixties, seventies? Can I let you in on a little secret? Yeah. I was born in seventy seven. My mom beat my ass. Yeah. So seventy nine got a beaten. Yeah. I, there's memories of the, they evolved the belt and the fly swatter. My mom beat my ass and would, would take a lunch. Punch out, <laughs> eat lunch, and come back. Eat a sandwich. Growing yeah. up, somebody claimed they never got beat. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, your parents don't love you. <laughs> yeah. So, so they can't even be bothered to take their belt off. So, so let's stop acting like John Lennon was the only. He's he's so horrible because he was he was you know this this aberrant person who who spanked his kids back in the time when no one else was doing that. Well, it was like when, right. the whole stuff with Adrian <laughs> Peterson a few years ago. The first thing I thought of was like, he's black and from the South, right? That sounds about right. Where he made his kid go pick out a switch. I'm not saying I'm that's right. I'm just saying that that, sound, that sounds about right. I'm, I'm white. I was born north of the Mason-Dixon line. Everyone who had a hand in raising me wasn't. I picked out plenty of switches. Yeah. That's a, to me... I, black white didn't even come into the equation. It was that's a southern thing. And believe me, I'd come in with a twig, yeah. and my grandmother made a point to grab a fucking hacksaw and go saw off a limb and bring it in one time, <laughs> and say, "Now this is a switch." 
Was she like she crocodile would, she, Dundee? <laughs> yeah. The fucker was so heavy, she grunted when she put it on top of the refrigerator to, to, to threaten me with it. That's not like, a switch. Ugh. This is a switch. I'm like, that's a tree, bitch. That's <laughs> not a switch. But no, it, it, so it, like we lose perspective and we've lost perspective and we've allowed these people who've lost perspective to try to dictate the conversation. And we need to just go, just shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. You were raised so coddled and protected that you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. You have no idea about the times that these people grew up in. And here's the deal. You don't want to know. You want to stay ignorant. And because if you had to learn and you had to expand your, your thought process on this subject, you would have to reverse yourself. And that's worse than losing. Admitting you're wrong to the people like this is worse than losing an argument. And losing an argument is like, it's 1A reversing yourself and 1B losing an argument. They cannot do it. They can't. And that's why I was just like, like I said, so glad that the comic book community was like, we're not having this. We're not doing this. Pick another one. Find another route. Find someone else to demonize. This ain't happening. Like, seriously, come on now. We're not going. We're not doing this shit. And that's why I was so glad when that happened. All right. R.I.P. Stanley. And hey, thanks for the good memories you allowed me to share with my dad by doing what you did. I appreciate it. Well, from Stan Lee to a story I read that is hopefully we can go out on a little bit lighter note. Uh, I find this story hilarious personally. Uh, for the first time in a decade, the United States Army didn't make their recruiting quota. They well, have well. a quota. They have a quota of seventy six thousand five hundred. They fell short by sixty five hundred. Now, this is according to Stars and Stripes. If you know anything about the Army, that's their publication. So to remedy this issue, they're trying to mine two groups. One makes a little bit of sense. The other makes no sense. Well, Chris might disagree with me on the second group. The first group is they're going to put together a functional fitness team to compete in CrossFit events to target those people. To get them to join the yeah, military. I told you, man. CrossFit's already like a cult. The guys in my department that are into it are, are into it. Like, they find a CrossFit center in every town. They're there at like 4.30 in the morning for like three hours every morning. I mean, they're already ha- like I said, they're already half on board with the cult way of thinking. Let's go full bore. Give me a uniform, a number, rifle. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> the other group is they're going after esports. Yeah, I mean, I'd, when I when I played Call of Duty 10 years ago when it was first cool, I mean, I saw that shit coming a mile away. Like, I, I was thinking, like, this, how long till the Army's recruiting? You know, like, are we being, I was, you know, at the tinfoil hat on, like, are they monitoring who's doing the best? And all of a sudden, that person getting tons of recruiting info sent to their house? Person who's number one? Uh, did you never hear of America's, the video game America's Army? No. It was a it was a video game developed as a first person shooter developed and released by the US Army in two thousand two. Interesting. Specifically to try to get children like, oh, this is cool. So when they grew up, they joined the army. So I mean you're not far off. This, this is think, what became Call of Duty? Yeah, well, eh, I think I think I don't even think they were made by the same studios. Is Activision but, involved? 
No, it was uh, Ubisoft. Uh. So, but it, but definitely Call of Duty took it and ran with it. Then they started adding like Dayglow body armor and pink w- rifles, and you can put clown makeup on your soldier and shit because apparently that's the way to make money these days through microtransactions. But the reason I'm I, I first of all CrossFit I don't know I don't know the CrossFit mentality. Um, just because someone likes is 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 has a cult like dedication to being in top physical condition doesn't necessarily make them mentally like the right choice to train to kill people. You know what I'm saying? Like. It, like I know plenty of people who are in very good shape and take their health and, and working out very serious who if they had to kill their own food they would eat nothing but like what they could rip out of the ground as far as vegetables so I good luck for them with that the eSports one okay there's been multiple podcasts in the last couple of years that uh, a select group of, of former uh, combat vets, um, have went around to, and, they, and they've talked about the issue of all branches of the military are having a hard time filling their quotas because kids these days just aren't in shape. You have a lack of sports that's not pay to play in schools. Um, the first one, you know, the, the first two programs to get cut in schools are, are usually music education and physical education when the, when the belt tightening comes around. And we now have you know, what, a generation and a half of that, and we're starting to see the outcome of it. You know, what? what is it, 40% of this country is considered obese, going strictly by their, their BMI, which is which is a flawed way to measure it, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll acquiesce and say, for the sake of this discussion, we'll run with that number. That's damn near half. And if that's adults raising children, do you think it's going to get much better with the kids? On top of that, these are kids who aren't outside playing, who aren't physically active for the most part, who literally, if you know anything about esports, these guys, yeah, they may not be big, you know, fat biscuit, two liter drinking looking motherfuckers like me, but they weigh like, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet with rocks in their pockets. Because all they do is sit in front of a computer and hone their skills at whatever game they're competing in literally 8 to 12 hours a day. The use of illegal drugs like Ritalin and amphetamine in the esports community is through the fucking roof. And this is who the U.S. Army has decided to try to mine for future soldiers. It's that episode of Silicon Valley. They got the, <laughs> the kid who's the coder. <laughs> Slaps the shit out the kid. Go get me some riddle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's, exa- that's that- the episode that got me on board with that show. <laughs> Just the fact that they slapped the kid. <laughs> that they beat the fuck out of a kid. He demanded to get the real drugs. And I have to say that I mean, there. When you look at esports, a lot of the the games that they're that are big. You know, the biggest ones are Fortnite. Player Unknown Battlegrounds, which are the Battle Royale games. Overwatch, which is a cartoonishly over-the-top team-versus-team first-person shooter. FIFA, League of Legends, which if, if I'm correct on League of Legends, that's like fantasy swords and sorcery type shit. Of course, Call of Duty, which would kind of make sense. 
Madden and NBA 2K. What about Minecraft? There's no Minecraft in there? No, no. There, this is, uh, oh, and Tekken, the fighting game. Uh, this is the, the tournaments the U.S. Army has scheduled. All those games I mentioned plus Tekken. Um, How are you going to build the wall? you got to get the Minecraft group in there. This is going to build your wall for you. But, but the, the even more amusing part in my mind, well, first of all, who's going to protect us from this, you know, horde of marauding uh, uh, Middle Eastern Mexicans called coming for us? At, 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 yeah, well. The campers. <laughs> you want to camp? Camp out in the border and just pick them off with sniper yeah. rifles. But what, what makes it even more funny is they're taking active duty soldiers and starting esports teams for these games. I want you to stop and think about what I just said. The U.S. Army is solely funded by what? Taxpayer money. We're paying we motherfuckers to play video games. To try to recruit motherfuckers to play video games to join the Army. Yes. On a refund. On a refund of that part of my taxes, please. Or I want and, in on the action. Uh, Army Recruiting Command spokeswoman Kelly Brand, or excuse me, Bland, said... The U.S. Army esports team will be in a support role to help young people see soldiers in a different light and understand the many different roles people can have in the Army and help the Army address the growing disconnect with society. Neat. Just let's, let's break down that sentence. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty scary sentence. Uh, hey, we're going to help. We're going to help with your disconnect from society by giving you a firearm. I, don't, I just, to me, it's like you're really barking up the wrong tree. I know where the recruiters hung out in my high school, all right, and it wasn't where we were, where the where the 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 stoners burnouts were hanging, smoking cigarettes in the smoke, you know, in the smoking section of high school. Yes, children, you used to be able to smoke outside of your high school in the smoking section, even though it was illegal. It used to be ashtrays in the desks, <laughs> but yeah, they were they were you know mining the football, wrestling teams. Swim teams, baseball, any any of the organized sports teams, well, they're gone now. You know, a lot of schools don't have, like I said, organized sports. They have pay-to-play sports, but those are travel teams. Those are kids whose parents pay a lot of money for their kids to specialize in that sport. And do you think those parents are going to welcome a Marine recruiter into their ranks to try to tell their children who they're hoping make it to the big leagues, hey, why don't you take a four-year pit stop in the core? Not going to happen. So I just I to me this is this should tell the army maybe you're not offering these these people what they need or want. And instead of trying to be like, "Hey, fellow young kids, we're cool too." Maybe you should take a look at what the fuck you do to people when you get them in there and what happens. Do they still pay for college? Cuz at least with us our generation that was the big hook. Say, join the army. We'll pay for college. I haven't talked to any younger veterans who've came out recently, but I do know that a lot of the the promises that are made in a recruiting station tend not to be fulfilled once you get your DD two fourteen and in and you're sent walking. Um, I've had quite a few friends my age, maybe a little bit younger, who have went round and round with the government, the V, you know, the VA about, hey, look, this is what I was. T- this isn't an entitlement. You told me if I did this, I earned this, and you're not giving it to me. Or you're giving me a half-assed version of it. I mean, maybe they should address the fact that, you know, the suicide rate among veterans is up there with, like, transgendered people. You know, what, 25 veterans a day commit suicide? And that's not among the ones that do it during active duty. Because believe me, they can, 
they can write that up to be something else. Computers, laser mm -hmm. I mean, so on top of the fact that, you know, you have recruiters who will go get you into their office and promise you the world. And then once you actually get into the into the service, which, by the way, once you take that oath, once you're sworn in, you are now United States government property. You have no rights. Yeah, you are their bitch until you get a discharge certificate. Yes. And God uh, help you if you get a dishonorable discharge. You might as well be a felon. Uh, in my experience, not as much these days, but it definitely will stop you from working in certain fields. Yeah. You're not working for any government agency. You're not working for any agency that 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 is a, is a, is a subcontractor of any government agency. Um, but I mean, I, it, isn't this a case of like let's look at let's look at what the army has to offer and let's look at the 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 risk versus the reward and the risk far outweigh the rewards and understand that maybe we need to, I don't know, stop using the army like we do change the way that, you know, the, the, the we're going to just, you know, go invade a country, set up a base and never leave. We're just going to fight wars with, without any end. Hey, no. Yeah. You sign up for a four year hitch. Yeah. But uh, we didn't meet our recruitment numbers. So, we're going to call you back to active duty and send you out for another tour against your will. These aren't people signing up for another tour. These aren't people re-upping. These aren't career guys. These are guys who went in, did their four-year hitch, got out, and now are being told you got to come back. And if you don't, we'll throw you in federal prison. These are guys who were promised training in certain military occupational specialties that when they got in, all of a sudden the Army said, yeah, we don't need you in that. We need you in this. And by the way, this is going to be a combat-related specialty, which most likely you're not going to be able to find a job in once you get out of this, get out of active what? duty. Walmart's not hiring sharpshooters. And, I mean, how many times have we sat and talked about the fact that so many combat veterans go into policing here once they get back stateside? And, yeah, you served in Iraq, but in Iraq you were an occupational force. When you come back, you're a police officer in but fuck upstate, you know, New York. You're not an occupational force, but they still have that mindset. And so we get the issue of we have police who no longer do police work. We have police who act like a or a military organization that's occupying the area they're in charge of. I mean, none of these, it's amazing. None of these things are being addressed, but we're going to start a CrossFit uh, group and we're going to infiltrate esports, and that's how we're going to get our recruiting numbers back up. I don't even see that. I don't even see the connection there. Yeah, well, I mean, would you, let's be honest here, would you be quick to sign up if you walked into a recruiting station and the recruiter said, yeah, basically what we need is uh, bullet sponges. We just need someone to throw out there and, you know, stop a bullet or two and kill as many people before they stop a bullet. Is that going to be like, well, fuck, where do I sign? Let me, let me do, let me do that. Well, first of all, anyone who knows going to be like, are you lost? Well, yeah, you right now walking in, they're going to be like, is your son interested in joining, sir? Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, am I wrong on this, or am I just seeing this wrong? Like, really, esports—that's you know—that's who you're you're the 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 pipeline you're trying to tap into to get more recruits. I mean, used to be they didn't want people that had done drugs. They didn't want people who had you know m any type of mental issues. They lowered those standards. I mean, Christ, when I was trying, isn't it like finding? 
Um, think about it, though, just from a recruiting standpoint. It's not like finding employees for any business. You got to go where the people you want to work for you are. I mean, now they're apparently playing esports and doing CrossFit. At least a second of a, a, a good cross-section of them are enough that they, they think are worth pursuing. I mean, the this is just starting up. The first tournament that the Army is, is sponsoring is coming up in, de- in December. Give it a couple of years. I'll look at the numbers in a couple of years, but I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be really shocked if all of a sudden their recruitment numbers go through the roof. Based, and it's like, yeah, those numbers that, that have improved so much over the last couple of years, they come from the esports community. See, see the picture of a graduating class from West Point? Half of them are jacked and half of them are fat. Like, well, we know who the CrossFit people are and we know who the esports guys are. You got to start well, making I mean, fatigues and triple XL. I mean, there's also the reality of you get people who are playing a game like Call of Duty or whatever the fuck. And yeah, it's cool when they, you know, at the end of the little four minute round that they played, they got more kills than deaths. But it's a different story when you put them in a real firefight. And the, and, the, and the stakes and, the, and, you know, the risk becomes real. It's no longer, oh, well, I got my ass kicked this game because, you know, this guy was camping around every corner with a shotgun. Or maybe they're just banking on these guys disconnecting so hard that it doesn't matter. Like, whatever, now it's for real. Like yeah, you 100 the, fucking kills. Doesn't that lead us to the problem of when they cut these guys loose? Now it's our problem to deal with them. We don't give a shit after we're done with them, right? Yeah, we, we need it out of them. Turn them loose. Now they're the community's problem. We don't need to take Chris, care of them. Of course, we don't give a shit about them. But you're not supposed to admit that. What are you, Trump? Come on now. You you, you got to put on a, a break. You know, you gotta, no. Of course, we care about our veterans and our mental health once they're out of combat and they and they they rejoin society. That's what you got to say. Meanwhile, look at what they actually do for the veterans. That's the thing. You go to how they treat them. Well, I mean, you know, hey, look. Let me go here. Aaron's been awfully silent on this subject. Let me ask Aaron. You got a son. He's in. He's he plays online games. How would you feel if all of a sudden you found out an army recruiter had weaselled his way into his group and was sitting there, t- you know? Whispering sweet nothings and promising him the world while he's playing these games. Hmm. I probably wouldn't feel good about it. Um, I don't know, really. But, it, but Rich, isn't I, that what they do at school when you take the ASVAB, though? Right. Like if, I mean, like, I, I remember having to have all the boys went into the lunchroom one day. And there was army recruiters there, and there was some test or some sort of thing that they wanted us to take. I was sick that some, day. It was great. Some Scantron shit. And then it had some questions at the end of it that asked, you know, if I if I had ever, one of them was, have I considered signing up for any of the armed forces? And I wrote, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and submitted my test and then had like some guy in a uniform come over and talk to me very sternly about what do you think you're too good for the military and i was like yeah, i didn't think you gave me that attitude i was well actually sir i think i'm too smart i <laughs> yeah i, I kind of said to him i'm not sure how to answer this question because i don't want to be a dick but like <laughs> yeah anyway i mean 
I don't feel like like my son could go down that path. And it's like, oh, if he just talks to the right recruiter, then it's all over. But, you know, I it could be different. And it is different for other people there. I don't know. I just don't think it's a... It doesn't seem like a very rich vein to tap. And it seems like it's very short-sighted. Like, okay, we're going to... Maybe you'll boost your numbers, but what are you really getting in the long run? It's the, it's the government, right? It's just, I, it's yeah. a vein. That's all they care about. Yeah. <laughs> really, they don't give shit. Like, hey, let's try this. It could give us some kind of return. Let's try this because what we're doing ain't working. We missed our goal. Not defending it. I'm just it's just yeah. it's the mindset, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're just they're just advertising, looking for an audience. Like, I don't know. What if McDonald's started advertising to fat people? Like, had ads that had exclusively fat people talking about how much they like getting fat on McDonald's. She's like, come on. But I know you want it. Would I think that's right? No. But I don't eat McDonald's. And I don't really care anyway. Checkers, <laughs> so commer- kind of- Checkers commercials just turn into, come on, fatty. Now, you comparing know you the military it. to McDonald's, you know, McDonald's doesn't guard our borders and give them time. I, look, I don't. <laughs> although I think the argument could be made that McDonald's done more to spread democracy and heart disease. Well, it's kind of redundant at this point. I think. I think, <laughs> I think science has proven that democracy causes heart disease. <laughs> I, I I don't know. To, in, in, in the way I look at it is that. I have nothing against joining the military as long as your eyes are wide open to what you're actually doing. And my problem is, is that I ran into the recruiter I ran into was the top recruiter, not because of of the sheer number of people he put in, but because of how successful the people he put in were. I sat in his office in a delayed entry program for six months and watched him turn people away on a daily basis. And I was sitting there 60 pounds heavier when I walked in with hair down to the crack of my ass when I walked in the door, and he didn't turn me away. But then here come, you know, hey, I played high school football, and I did this, and, I mean, these guys were in fucking, these guys had muscles where I didn't even have flab. And he would, you know, talk to them for 30, 40 minutes, and he'd go, you know, I, I just don't think the Marine Corps is right for you. Army offices next door. Have a good day. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Now, to this day, I don't know specifically what he saw in my flabby, long-haired, hippie-looking ass that made him go, you know what? I'm going to put six months work of, worth of work into you. My guess would because be a, a brain. Every troop needs a pile. So my guess would be a brain. Uh, well, yes, because when I, when I moved and I started dealing with the recruiters in a different state, I quickly learned that they turned nobody away. They, they, what they literally would do was sign up anybody they could, sign, give them as many waivers as they could, send them off to Paris Island or, or San Diego, and then let, the, let, let Recruit Training Depot sort them out. And, I right. mean, there was, a, there was a high washout rate for these recruiters, very high washout rate. And there wasn't for the staff sergeant that I dealt with originally. And one of the things they did is when they said, okay, well, when did you take the ASVAB? And I told them, they said, we got to retake it. I took it, and the recruiter goes, oh, so you're not as dumb as a box of rocks. And that's when I looked at that recruiter, and I was like, you know what? I don't think a career in the military 
with you putting me in is the right one. Can I speak to a different recruiter? And I went and found a different one. I was like, no, this guy, he's, he's just, he's, He's just throwing meat into the grinder for to make sausage. He doesn't care about the quality of the meat. So, I mean, it, it, if you go in with your eyes open and you realize what you're getting into, I absolutely, and you, and you still make that decision, which could be a great decision for you. Like, please don't, anybody listening, don't get it twisted. I'm not running down the service. But there's too many people that have recruiters that promise them shit that is just absolute flat-out lies, and they get in. And they're fucked. And now you have an unmotivated, pissed off person who's supposed to be watching your six who doesn't want to be there. And what the fuck are you going to do? It does, it, it, they're called shit birds. All right. And they're called that because they're absolutely useless. They're the type of people to get people killed in combat. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, and in a way, it's like any other team, any other situation where you have to work as a team, you have to buy in to the team concept. And if you're, in, if you're one of those people that are incapable or unwilling to do it, please find someplace else to go. For the sake of your life and everybody else's life who is depending upon you to do your job, find someplace else to go. Well, as far as the military missing its recruiting goal, kind of meaningless to me. I mean, it, we're not that strapped, right? If we've got enough to... Send fucking 15,000 troops to the border to outnumber 10 to 1 a, a group of uh, migrants that I guess they're still making their way to those. I haven't heard anything about it, strangely. Well, they've stopped. They've, but, they're, right. they're raping and pillaging right now. It takes a couple of weeks before they right. move on. They all, went, <laughs> they all stopped in Mexico and went, oh, they already had their election? All right, turn around and go home. But no, I mean, I don't know. It, it's not well, like we have a problem of our military being too small. So, so, so what if they are missing recruitment numbers? I mean, if we're missing our goals, maybe let's scale back a couple things. Yeah. Like, do we really? Come on, let's be honest. Do we still need to be in Germany? Like, it's been what seventy years? Like, we think we, I think they're going to be all right. Maybe, we, maybe perhaps we don't need right. a base there anymore. Yeah, right. And if they're not. Like, it's not anything that having a base in Germany is going to change. You know, the, the neo-Nazis in Germany aren't going, as soon as they remove that base camp, yeah. we and, move. And hey, didn't we, we catch strike. the boogeyman in Afghanistan? What are we still doing there? You know, no one was talk about. He was killed while Obama said at a press corps dinner. We got right. the boogeyman because, there. What are we doing most there? Of our, most of our military is used in keeping our... Our interests secure. Well, there is, like I said, there is a type of person that will fit into the military very well. And no doubt. I, my, and I'm not saying it's completely worthless. Maybe. I'm just saying, like, not hitting your recruiting goals, fine. Maybe this is, maybe this is why, ultimately, even if I was born, like, with an Adonis body and everything the military craved, I wouldn't have made a good marine soldier whatever because i rather have quality over quantity i mean that's just to me that makes more sense you want people who are motivated to do be there motivated to do their job motivated to do their job well you don't want people who were like a month ago i was sitting at home on my ass eating cheetos pounding mountain mountain dew or washing down riddling with mountain dew 
e-gaming for 12 hours right. a day. And now my ass is stuck in, you know, boot camp and I hate everything and everybody. I'm not, yeah, I'm not anti-military anyway. I want this country to have a competent and motivated military that is funded as well as it needs to be and has the resources that it needs to accomplish a job, not the bloated babysitting welfare project that we have. Absolutely. Because one of the most telling things I've I've ever heard. Why do you hate freedom, Aaron? Right. <laughs> one of the most telling things I've ever heard from multiple people who either retired or were gunning to retire out the military, and maybe they were injured in combat and were forced to you know to leave, is they've all said the same thing in different ways. But it boils down to the military. You can join the military, and it'll it'll allow you to stay perpetually an adolescent for the rest of your life as long as you're in the military it, it you can do that if you want to now you're not going to be very useful to anybody but you can slip between the cracks if you know how to play the game and you know how to work the system it can happen and nobody that i've talked to that has said that expressed that sentiment is like yeah those are the type of people i want watching my back those are the type of people I want to be senior NCOs and in charge of, you know, platoons and shit and giving, giving guidance and, and, and uh, uh, advice to, you know, wet behind the ears second lieutenants who just come out of, you know, ROTC because that gets people killed. So I don't know. I just, I think it's barking up the wrong tree completely. I mean, I guess throw, you know, throw a couple. It's the military. It's not like they lack for the budget. I mean, so if they got the budget to do it and it'll pad their numbers to where, you know, a colonel can become a full bird colonel or a brigadier general can become a major general, whatever. But, I mean, my concern is what happens when the shit hits the fan for real? And that's that's when I'm like, that's when you find the people who really wanted to be in the military and the people who were like, he promised me the world. Yeah, well, you get to see the world and you get to see it from a Humvee as you're driving past trying to avoid getting killed. Not the way he told you you were going to see the world, huh? Yeah. I mean, what was the line in Jarhead? When they were sitting there comparing what the recruiters had promised them. And then one guy was like, yeah, my recruiter knew every horror house between here and Okinawa. And he's like, I bet your recruiter promised you a world of pussy, huh? He's like, yeah, here I am stuck with you swinging dicks. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what got you in? And he's like, oh, Brad, Brad got by the, 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 the night where the Marine fights the night. And he turns into a Marine with dress blues and the sword. He's like, that commercial got so many guys. (laughs) And it's the absolute truth, man. I knew a lot of guys. One of the funniest conversations I had in a recruiting station was a guy come in. Staff sergeant was busy. And so it was me and Sergeant Cooney, and we were talking to this guy. And Sergeant Cooney was like, so why do you want to join? Why do you want to be a Marine? He's like, Y'all got the best looking dress blues. Sergeant Cooney got up and walked out the office. And I just sat there and was like, look at this guy. Like, I, I don't know if that's the answer you're going to want to go with when Staff Sergeant walks in. <laughs> it's just, I don't know if that's going to fly, man. And he's like, 
but it's true. And I'm like, you gonna sign away four years of your life to dress up in a fucking in Marine Corps dress blues? Yeah, dude, it's cheaper to become an actor. It's a lot safer too, unless you're a woman in in Harvey Weinstein's office at least. So I, I don't know. I kind of, this is one of the episodes I kind of wish Todd was here because he actually he actually spent some time in the Navy because I'd like to get his take on on something like this because I feel like it's three guys who were four F sitting around talking about what, <laughs> what it was like for the rest of everybody to go to Vietnam. You know what I'm saying? Like, can't really speak from experience, and the limited amount of experience I have, pretty much, you know, ain't gonna cut it. My experience is my dad served, and when the time came, he's. Pretty much, line was like, "You ain't going in the fucking military." Like, it was. Was not your dad an option? Real quick, because let me ask: Was your dad? Did he serve in World War Two? Uh, no, Vietnam. Okay. He's old, isn't that old? Jeez. Well, well, no, I didn't know if you were like a like a. Hey, we weren't planning on having any babies, but Dad ate his Wheaties this day. Yeah, no, and right. Here's Chris. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens. Well, he. He never actually went over to Vietnam right about before his ship out to Vietnam. He served in the Vietnam era. But you know, when he died, didn't give a fuck. They still gave him regular military honors. And it, my dad was, yeah, he, he served in Vietnam, and he was over there. And his his main concern to me was basically what I said. He goes, go in with your eyes open. Go in well aware of what you're going into. Don't be don't let anyone bullshit you and sweet talk you into doing something. Don't let anyone pressure you into doing something to make it this decision. And he's like, and then he goes, and then just pray that any war we get into while you're active duty is a war we actually need to fight. Yeah, my dad had my my dad had a grudge because he was part of the generation where that's what you did after high school and you know, a lot of guys didn't come back. So he had that grudge on his shoulder of you know, a lot of guys didn't make it past 19 or 20 that he knew. Because he yeah. he's one of the guys that he saw the writing on the wall in his neighborhood. He's like, I'm going to get drafted, so I might as well just sign up. That's same with my dad. And when my uncle signed up, the infamous story about when they reported was they were in a gymnasium and there was all these draftees going into the Army. There was a decent amount for the Navy. There was a decent amount for the Air Force. And there was a handful for the Marines. And the Marine recruiter walked over to the – or the Marine sergeant walked over to an Army sergeant. They started talking. The Army sergeant turned. And he goes, get in a single file line. Count off. By two. One, two, one, two, one, two. He goes, all the two step forward. You're now in the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> and they were like – I was like, what happened? He goes, guys started crying. He's like, they were grown, like, like 18, 19-year-old men crying. Like, I don't want to join the Marines. I don't want to join the Marines. And basically, you know, he's, I was like, what, what, what was said to him? Sergeants looked at him and said, Marine or Army, you're still going to see combat. What's it matter? I mean, it was just a very matter of fact, like, just the that's how it was back then. Yeah, that's how it was back then. And I'm just like, wow, okay. A little bit different than today. Yeah. I mean, now we they still can't have yell to- at you. They can't make fun of you. Well, <laughs> the, the boot camp scene of the Full Metal Jacket apparently is a thing of the past. <laughs> yeah, but it's it that's true. But I mean, still, it's like oh, they yell at you. Oh, they yell at you big time. Most drill instructors have that froggy voice like this because they think they're on the verge of losing their voice constantly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is just that you got to think kids of today getting off a bus. 
and have some fucking six foot two muscle bound motherfucker bouncing around brown off their fucking brim of their nose, telling them get their feet on the yellow fucking footprints. Move it, move it. You now belong to me. They're not handling as well as as our parents did. (laughs) Absolutely. Our our parents were like, wait a minute. You're just going to yell at me unless I really fuck up. Then you'll hit me. My dad just goes straight to the ass whooping. Yeah. This is like summer camp. Hey, you'll be here for 10 minutes if we play full C. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Full some of the best one-liners, though. I know this deck piles of shit that hot. Where are you from? Sir, Texas, sir. Only steers and queers come from Texas, and I don't see any orange. So that kind of narrows it down, don't it? Uh, come over yeah. to dinner and fuck my sister. Oh, God. Verbal abuse to break you down and then build you up in the way you want. That's what the military offers. <laughs> oh, Christ. Anyways, I, guys, I'm sorry. I tried to end it on a, on a lighter note. I figured we would goof on fat guys joining the army, but it turned into a serious discussion. My bad. Just a bunch of fat, pre-diabetic guys with carpal tunnel. Talking about they can't squeeze the trigger because it hurts their wrist. I've seen the news last few years. We're not allowed to end on a good note anymore. I guess. <laughs> but anyways, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. There's more of you every week. I don't know what's going on. What I like. Let's just know that what we're doing is working. We're at Unregimented Pot. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, call me late. We're at Unregimented Pot on Twitter. You can email the show on Regimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Check out a new show every Saturday. And we'll catch you next week. See ya. Later. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net and thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.